Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 138, Furious 7, Lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by LovingMemoryStore.com. There's no better comfort to keeping the memory of your loved one or close friend alive than proudly showing the world who they are and how much they meant to you other than their custom digital photo t-shirts and products, which in loving memory to memorials, birthdays, graduations, anniversaries, family reunions, youth sports, and more. Thank you, LovingMemoryStore.com. Well, thank you, Loving Memory Store, and welcome to Furious 7. I feel like, Joe, we need what? a term. Like, we're in lap 7, and this is Furious 7. We are about, we're about to be at a point where, like, it, it no longer really applies. Although, maybe, I don't know. But I feel like, like this is significant only so far as the same is the seventh time we're watching the seventh movie, right? Like, I feel like there's there's a symmetry there about something, and I don't know what we should call it, but lap eight will have fate. When nine comes out, we'll have it in lap nine. Maybe by the time we get to lap 10, 10 will be out. Who knows? But I should have, we should have thought of this, you know. What did, what did KFC called like the, the sadness sandwich? The double down? The double, yeah, we should have the KFC double down movie of the week. It's the double down. Okay, cool. I'm on, I'm on board. So this is the double down. Welcome to the double down, lap seven, Furious yeah. 7. Yeah. After the break, we will have Nico and Keba joining us to talk about Furious 7. But Joe, extracurricular activities. And this is a weird one. We split our time <laughs> recording this episode over two nights. So like even less time to have done anything else of significance but what have you been up to since we last talked we watched the new borat movie when it came out oh can we talk about that next time why have you not seen it yet i'm watching it tonight okay we'll talk about it next time when you watch it i was scared to watch it because although i know it's a comedy i was scared that i would be sad by what i saw sure right yes because you know he deals with a lot of stupid people in positions of power in positions of power and he gets their genuine reactions to things and he catches people candidly saying very off-the-wall type shit. He did a good job of keeping it light. That's all I'm going to say. What I have seen, and maybe you can confirm this, is that it shows like the absolute worst of things, but in a way that is both somehow optimistic and hopeful. Yes, that's what I was... Which I was feels scared that very difficult to do. It's super hard to do. And I was worried that I was going to watch it and just get more depressed about everything. Honestly, it did a really good job and like it kept me laughing. My fears of what it might have turned into were calmed. So. Okay, cool. Other than that, nothing. We made some pizzas. Oh, I have like an interesting pizza update. Go for it. You know, there's a lot of famous pizza places around. One of the ones that we like to go to that we've actually been like jonesing for a lot lately is this place called Sally's. It's very famous. It's always like in the top 10 of like best pizza places in the country. Like my normal go-to at any pizza place is order like a large extra cheese, right? Like that's just standard. That's what I want. And the first time I went there, I said, oh, can I get a large extra cheese? Wait, is this and is this pizza guy, or is this a beats? It's, it's a, be- a beats okay. for sure. Because <laughs> um, I Googled it just to see like what was up and like it's literally called Sally's a pizza. Pizza, yeah. Italian restaurant in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. I asked them for extra cheese, and the old guy that was taking my order goes, you don't want extra cheese. <laughs> and I was like, what? He was like, one and a half at the most. And I was like, okay, then one and a half, sure. I got it, and I was like, this is really good, but like, there's not a lot of cheese on it, you know? Like, that kind of sucks, and like, I like cheese on my pizza. But for some reason, like, during quarantine, Rachel and I have been like, really jonesing for this, and we always get it with extra cheese, like, double, but it's still like... 
less than a regular amount of cheese at any other pizza place. So I thought they were just being stingy. You know, like that's my least favorite part about this place, but it's good and the sauce is really good. So I was like, okay, cool. We've been eating a lot of that. And I was like, Rachel, when we made a pizza, I was like, let's try to like, you know, get closer to that. She's like, okay. So we were like looking up how to like do sauces and their sauce is like very, very simple. Okay. Okay. It's like tomatoes, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of oregano. That's it. It's like the mildest things. Like we even put like three cloves of garlic in for like a can of tomatoes. And it was like, too much garlic and okay. we love garlic right like sure. so i made a bunch of pizza dough but like, i got two pizzas out worth and we made one and we were like oh cool like we could put extra cheese on it finally so we put extra cheese on one and we were like this is all right but it's not that great so i'm like rachel you know what let's try to do the thing oh the other thing is like they don't cook the pizza sauce they just mix the garlic and the oregano in it oh so the only time it ever cooks is when the pizza is actually cooking yes precisely you're getting there because they like a lot of these places claim like you know canned tomatoes are already stewed they're already cooked like you don't need to cook down the sauce we cooked it down a little bit because it's super watery when you do it like that right like it's like really wet so i was like okay let's do another really thin pizza like they do because they do really thin pizzas i was like let's do like another really thin pizza but let's put like just like a little bit of cheese on it like let's put like their amount of cheese on it where it's like you still get sauce like through it like the cheese doesn't even cover the entire sauce we did that we cooked it we were like this is fucking it. We're idiots. Like, you need to leave space for the wetness of the sauce to cook off and the oven mm. to roast the sauce. And if you put too much cheese on it, you don't ever accomplish that. And the pizza is very wet. And I was, like, okay. mind blown. I was, like, this guy was a 1,000% right. I'm a fucking idiot. I was, like, on this dude talking shit about how he never gives me extra cheese on my pizza for how many times now? He's just right. It, it, he's just 1,000% right. And, like, they're known for their just, like, straight sauce, like, tomato pies like with no cheese. So I was like, yeah, of course they are. Like this makes so much more sense now. And I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, Sally's forever (laughs) doubting you. You were a thousand percent right. And I'm the idiot. A sprinkling, like a spritz of cheese is the right amount when you're doing thin crust, trying to showcase the sauce and it's very wet. That's the right way to do it. So cool. That's what I learned this past couple of days. Important. Good update. Good update. I like it. Anything else of note? Any more amazing race updates? We started watching season three and there's like a set of model twins and everybody keeps calling them double mint. And I thought that was very enjoyable. Pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I mean, they, they're like two handsome 20, mid 20 year old male twins that are models. And it's like, so like everybody's like fucking double mint back there. And you're like, perfect. That was really, that's the right name for it. So good for good on you guys. But no, we we're still in season three right now. We had a really weird national fetishization of twins in like the 90s and early 2000s like with double mint was a course like the here's to football like the whole Mm. and twins thing like it just like i get the appeal kind of but it's also like where's my car we've saw it in dude where's my car yeah you you think about it's a little weird and like all these people are like hey i want to i want to have a relationship with twins and it's like well they're related yeah so why (laughs) that doesn't make that's very incestual and i don't like that part yeah so i don't get it man but yeah we did have a weird twin fetish going for a while i think the other thing is we watched the first Goosebumps movie last night, and it was very enjoyable. The like Jack Black we, one? Yeah, the Jack Black okay. one. And it was just like something that really hit my nostalgia itch last night. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was one that I was like, oh, I'm never going to watch this. And then like the reviews came out, like, yeah, actually, it's actually pretty good. Because I grew up reading those books, as yeah, I'm sure like a lot of people did. And uh, yeah. I had heard good things. Like, not that it's, you know, going to blow your mind or anything, but it seems like what it could have been like a quick buck or whatever, like turned out to be like, a, oh, it's actually a pretty good kids movie. Yeah, it was a pretty fun one. And it's a good time of the season for it right like goosebumps halloweeny type feels sure we we try to watch a ton of these like 
scary movies or horror, but or you know, stupid Halloween type ones. And this was the one we picked for last night, and I found it really fun. And it's something that I missed, right? Because again, it's like kids movie with Jack Black. I was like, I really don't fucking care about this. But then it turned out to be better than I expected, so it was enjoyable. Cool. I watched uh, a Halloween movie. I will recommend to you. And okay, mm. so, okay, hmm. okay. So this is this is a very interesting. We watched for High School Slumber Party, which I think I talked about last time. The episode's already out. This is Brian being crazy, kind of. We recorded on Thursday night. The episode came out Friday, and after wow. we recorded, he was also a guest on the Ryan Stick Show, which is a radio show that he's been on a couple times. He had Ryan Stick on recently to talk about the metal horror Halloween movie uh, Trick or Treat. But we talked about this movie Detention, okay. and I think I talked about this briefly last time. Made by the guy Joseph Kahn, who did Bodied. He did Torque, which we will cover on this podcast at some point. Oh, yeah. This is a movie that I was afraid to watch for so long because I was like, I have such high expectations for what this movie is, and I'm afraid that I'm not going to like it because I built it up too much in my brain. I loved it. And this is also the kind of movie that I will say, if you're like 10 minutes in and you or Rachel like, I can't, I can't take this movie, like just bail. Like it's not for everyone because it is so, it's very meta. It's not over the top, but it's a very specific type of thing. If you're like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, you're not going to like it. Like it's not for everybody. And I think that's kind of what's cool about it. Okay. Uh, But I really loved it. The episode was a lot of fun. We had Austin Wolf southern on we talked about the movie brats which i had a very nasty letterbox review of talking about how bad that was and austin loves that movie and so he kind of trashed me when he and brian talked about brats on brian's show we kind of hashed that out a little bit we buried the bratchet as uh, as brian ooh, was calling it ooh. we talked about detention and it was great so it's on pluto which is the free service with ads if you want to watch it there i love pluto we watch it all the time we, we were just using that to watch they have a csi channel and rachel's never seen any csi and it starts at like in the middle and it like cuts in new york and miami and she's like this is so fucking corny and I was like yes that was the whole point of it (laughs) like the whole show was just like it was like corny and then there's like science they find the guy and then that's the end of it it's because they're all like 30 minute episodes too so yeah so detention is worth watching and then again if you're not on board early just bail that's totally fine but today this morning and I'll talk about this more in the email segment because he wrote in an email about it he had drafted an email and he sent it but I had a friend and past guest and patron of the show, Dan the Duke Hayden, came over today for a distanced beer on my porch. He brought, and I have the can in front of me, there's okay. a brewery called Hackensack Brewing Company. Have you heard of these or no? Have you heard of this place or no? I mean, I know what Hackensack is, and so it sounds familiar, but I don't know if it's just because I know what Hackensack is or if I know about the brewery. It's a city in New Jersey that is yeah. near-ish to New York. Dan was telling me that this place almost closed due to quarantine because, you know, Governor Murphy was like, you can't deliver beer or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. They were so close to shutting down, and then they didn't and that was good because this beer is delicious in new england ipa it's called musket haze and we picked it up on the way down here so i'm sure it was brand new and fresh boy is it good it is really one because i haven't been drinking a ton of beers in quarantine and i haven't had you know new fresh like juicy new england ipas in a while and like yeah yeah it's so good so thank you to that he also and this is what we're going to cover in the email segment he delivered the art that he made me that he has written in before. So I will send you pictures of that too a little bit later. But he came over for a couple hours this morning. We talked about movies and video games and whatever. He's doing good. He and So this is also of note to you, somewhat. He and his wife are going to go, they're going to drop their daughter off at Grandma Grandpa's house. And then they're going to get a lobster roll and they're going to go in a park and eat a lobster roll in a park. And so it just sounds like a lovely overall experience. I know you love your, your lobster rolls. Hot, please. Hopefully it's a hot one. Get it Connecticut style, but... I don't know if you have the option there. 
Sometimes you don't. But yes, I'm a huge lobster roll fan. I will give more about that. But yeah, I was, like, I was here for a couple hours, listened to some music, talked about a bunch of different stuff. It was great. Good to see Dan. Awesome. So without further ado, let's get into the thankful portion of the show. We have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, mm. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, the aforementioned Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. First one is the $5 level or above. Thank you all so, so very much. Thank you. I will give an update when we, because we have an email about it too, but I will give an update on our Patreon poll. But if you are a patron and you have not yet voted on the Lost versus other TV thing, go do that. We have a couple more votes. And uh, Joe, I got to, you can you can probably figure where we're at with a couple more votes, but we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> we also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we have three emails today. Okay. First up, we have from Jenny McMullen, subject line, vote. What up, Jenny? How are you doing, lady? She says, hi, guys. Since I can't access Patreon, which I'm not sure why, that seems... She said she's had this problem before. It was, like, goofy on her phone and stuff, remember? And Wes Wes said he can't log in either, so I don't know, like, that's not a... Like, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, guys, but that's... It's not like we're doing anything to prevent people from logging in, so... Since I can't access Patreon, I'm submitting my vote by email. I vote to keep doing loss, which I felt like, based on her last email, she was going to do. Yeah, makes sense. Totally. Just to be honest, I think the other one is way off topic, although does that really matter? Ha ha. She says, but whichever way it goes, I'll keep listening. Said the rest in my previous email later, Jenny. Well, thank you, Jenny. And that counts as your vote for lost. Ding. Very important. So then I checked. I'm going to check right now again. And we had another person vote. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Jerry. But now we are up to 10 votes total, including Jenny's written by mail. And Joe, five and five. Split right down the middle. (laughs) Perfect. So here's what I'm thinking, and so this is actually a minor update to this episode, is that I did not remember, I should have remembered, that the season two finale is actually a two-parter. We have another episode to do either way to finish out season two, but I think in this case, Ty goes to the runner, kind of? Like, I feel like I we think can't so too. change it. Unless these, like, unless, like, say, six of the next eight, I think we have eight more people. We have 10 votes, and I think we have 18 pages at the moment. Five of eight is not decisive so i think like if six of eight go go to the other idea then i think we do that but i think otherwise to jenny's point neither of them really make sense yeah but i don't know that we can change off of what we're doing you know so i think that we have to keep going this way so like that's kind of you know anticlimactic but also this poll has been anticlimactic right so i was thinking that too like ty has to go to the to the runner if we do get a split I mean, now we're obviously going to get, like, one vote more for the other thing, because that's how this is going to work. Right, but, like, I think, like, even one more, just, it's not, like, definitive. Like, I think we need to have, like, a, like, it's, like, a win-by-two situation, kind of, right? But, like, even by two, I don't know. Like, it just feels like one of these is not a slam dunk, right? So... Yep. Yeah, we'll I agree with you. We'll find out. But the I, I would imagine the other one we will do after we do Lost. So we have like 70 episodes of Lost. So, you know, sometime lap nine or 10, we will get to the other one, I, I would imagine. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. But that's just the update where it is right now. If you have not yet voted and you're a patron or if you want to become a patron, go to TooFast2Forever.com. Vote. In every post I make now, I link the thing. So you can easily find it, easily vote. If you can't, just send in your vote via email and we will count it in official tally. So it's 5-5 five, five right now, with eight people still to go. Maria's still out there. She's an undecided voter, so she is... I, to- I told Rachel that. I said, you have some influence here if you want it. And she said, oh, that's cool, but she was also cooking, so... she I mean, she was, like, literally, like, hands-covered cooking. 
Gotcha. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Our next email is from Jerry Robinson. Subject line update. Okay, what up, Jerry? We need to figure out if he did propose or not. That's what we're trying to think about here. And that is in here. Okay. Okay. Hey, guys. Unfortunately, I did not propose at Yard House. We went for a birthday lunch. I wanted to this year, but a lot of shit got canceled, including that. But I do want to propose to her next year, Valentine's Day, either at Disneyland or in one of her favorite cities, Monterey. Ooh. Ooh, I love Monterey. I'm a big fan, actually. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to Monterey? No. Mon- Monterey and Carmel. They're like right next to each other. California, right. I'm assuming, right? Is that correct? I'm guessing he's talking about Monterey and California. Wouldn't make sense of anything else. He's like in the Bay Area. That's not far. I was talking to somebody who lived in San Francisco and I was like, when I drove cross country, like I did uh, very, very little in the Bay Area. Like I went to an A's game. Oh, man. I, I mean, I was, I spent so little time in so many places like it just the country is so big and like i was gone for seven weeks but it's like there's a whole lot there's a whole lot (laughs) there's a whole lot there's a whole lot i agree with that i saw an a's game and i went to san francisco to take a picture of the golden gate bridge and that's all i did basically so that's cool that's something that i need to like i spent a week in california but there was other stuff i needed to do and you know at some point i will go back but monterey's monterey's dope it's really really cool it's a cool spot i take i took rachel there i've been there a couple times now it's along the shot when you do route one pch yeah when you do pacific coast highway you know and you drive from la to san francisco it's like along there so it's it's a lot of fun to go to i think cool so speaking of traveling iliana her brother and i are flying to tennessee for a week next month for a late vacation and finally have more time to rest and be tourists we last went in march for a cousin's wedding and didn't really have time to tour where in tennessee are you going i'm wondering if you're going to like i'm guessing the Nashville, Nashville area or the knoxville area or the memphis area or somewhere else altogether so please also uh, please true I'm a, I'm a fan of nashville I, my friend was just asking me the other day he was like places that he wanted to go with his wife because it's her birthday coming up like he always just like asked me travel questions because like i've been to a bunch of places right and he was saying something about Nashville, and I was like, dude, I love Nashville. Oh, if you go to, if you are going to Nashville, there's this place. It's called Monell's. It used to be that it's like in this like house, every table seats like 10 or 12, and you okay. just get sat with just whoever's in the line. So far, feels impossible in COVID, but yes, go on. But like, you know, if you're like a party of two, and there's like a party of four, and there's a party of five, like you're all at one table, and it's all you can eat family style meals. Everything comes out, and like every day they have like a different special, like I think like catfish is Thursday, and like whatever, whatever, but they always have fried chicken, they always have like some kind of pasta thing, and you just like take a piece, pass your your left take a piece past your left and they just come in like huge plates and stuff and it is awesome and anything that you want if you like if everybody eats like four pieces of chicken you just ask them and they'll bring you a whole nother thing of chicken it's a great place it, I mean, you might have to get takeout now but it was one of my favorite meals that i ate in in nashville very cool. fun listen up and send us in what what city or cities you're going to because tennessee is like i mean i don't want to say deceptively big because i think if you look at a map you're like oh shit it's big but like it's big like it's a big it is yeah. like i think it's like 11 hours or something diagonal to diagonal like it's there's a lot you know what i mean so yeah exactly i'm, I'm assuming you're going to, to nashville though it feels like a nashville well memphis too dude i don't know memphis is cool knoxville i had some of the best barbecue i've ever had in my life in knoxville so there's a lot of good stuff and in you Tennessee. can do the bourbon trail too so like he could be going just for bourbon so who knows Cool. He says, I'm happy for two more mo- two more movies and no spinoff, even though they should do a bunch. I agree with Joe 2 being a two-part movie, and since a lot of the biggest movie franchises have done it, Marvel, Harry Potter, Twilight, to build extra mm-hmm. money. Wish they would do yep. a limited series with more of the minor characters. Well, stay tuned. Pff, spoiler. That's all I got for now. Be fast, never last. I hope that Liliana's not listening either, because he's like, I'm going to propose next year on, on Valentine's Day. She's going to be like, cool. It's it's sometimes good to know, right? Kind of, maybe? <laughs> Isn't that like something that should be a surprise, kind of? Like, what if what if he doesn't propose next year on Valentine's Day, and she heard this? It would be really 
terrifying. I feel like he would know by now if she listens, but maybe not. I don't know. Not trying to spoil any of this, but I was just thinking about the fun possibilities of like her being like, "What the? F- you said you were gonna fucking propose," and he's like, "How did you know?" And she's like, "I listened to Too Fast." <laughs> You're like, oh wow, okay. Maybe like you don't, and you don't support them on Patreon. Come on, Ariana. <laughs> Did you this vote for over. Lost? Did you yeah. vote for Lost? <laughs> and our third and final email today from Dan. Subject line: Art delivered. So he sent this email from my porch. He had written it before and then added, <laughs> I think, one thing to it and sent it before. But here we go. It says, "Hey Joey, we've been friends for a long time. You've been kind enough to let me have fun as a guest on your shows and supply me with endless hours of entertainment. I thought it was time to give something back." Okay. Over the summer, I started getting back into my art. I made a bunch of chalk art with an American tr- traditional tattoo theme. And since then, I've been creating pieces of the same style using construction materials, poster board, and anything I can get my hands on. For you, I have okay. crafted this piece. I have titled This Ain't No 10 Second Race for Your Love of the Fast AKA, and Furious. Boy, do we have a, f- a guess for you? Is that what well, it's called? I will tell you more about that later. Okay. The fact that it is indeed a broken clock. So here I'm going to send you the picture now. So this is a clock that is about 15 inches by 15 inches. Yeah, this is awesome. Oh my God, this is so cool. I don't know how he describes it, but there's like a piece of steel that he cut behind there. He drew Dom's charger. He drew the infinity symbol. It's steel like riveted steel. Yeah, I think he was saying he was using it as a door or something and he just cut this piece from it. That fact that it is indeed a broken clock <laughs> and not the infinite time will continue this podcast. And last but not least, to the friendship we have. He says, not to get mushy, but friendship is timeless. Oh. I feel like I have a lifelong friend in you, good oh. sir. I hope you like it. it. says, the clock was broken and in the basement at my job. I cut the interior sheet metal left over from a storm drain cover project. The top is acrylic paint and illustration markers on foam core poster board. It looks awesome. He says, you'll notice. I've permanently attached the three hands of the clock to 2-10-10. The hour and minute hands both point at 2, too fast, too yeah. forever. And the seconds hand at 10 seconds for those 10 seconds or less oh. and free. Lastly, you'll notice a small crease in the infinity symbol. I showed the pieces to my daughter, and she smashed it. I thought about remaking it, but then I realized looking at it, I was thinking about family, so I kept it. exactly. I hope you display it proudly in your home, and maybe someday when you and Joe are famous, you can hang it on the wall inside 2F2F Studios. I really enjoyed making it your friend. It's awesome. So he's like, there's he's like, there's some Easter eggs in here that uh, hopefully you don't find all of because if you find all of them, it means the clock broke. Like there's things that he has hidden somewhere. So I'm like looking it over or whatever, and the steel piece that is affixed to yes. the clock attached with two bolts, and I'm just like looking around on the back. He like scribbled his little in his initials, like his artist okay. signature, fl- turning around, like looking at it, and like on the bottom of one of the little bolts, uh, he writes the letters N O S, which is very cool. Yeah. On the front, so there's like the little back. Yeah. The I've got nothing but time banner below the car, below the infinity symbol. And if you like tilt it at the right angle underneath that, he wrote backwards so you can see in the reflection, boy, do we have a podcast for you. Oh, that's so cool. It's very, very cool. cool. And I can't, I was saying the same thing. Like I was like, I hope that this is a good omen that one day there's a 2F2F Studios and this just hangs above us and people come in. They're like, what time is it? And we just say, I got nothing but time. Yeah. They're just, they're just I was saying to him that this is this is exactly the kind of thing that's like what you hang in that kind of like I was explaining to him because he's catching up he, he listened to our episode from season one where we went to Universal yeah but like that gift shop there was so much stuff there that we wanted to buy it's not for house it's, it's for like the, the the studio kind of thing or whatever yes. right so like yes. he knows that like I have this weird did you know like I've talked about this before that like I love one of my favorite things is pictures of like other people's families that are like discarded and I eventually wanted to fill my house with just 
pictures of other people's families. No, you've never said that before. That's weird, but okay. Come on, you didn't you see the like the weird Indian family that I have in my bathroom? I don't remember, honestly. And I'm not saying that in the Fast and Furious way. I just literally don't remember. One of the things that I always ask for from like other people is like if you're like if you have like a weird cousin or aunt that is giving away like a really big painting of their family that was like I like like the Sears ones. You, you know, they all dressed up in the same colors, like awkward pictures of your family, right? And like I want like the original prints of all of those. My dream is to hang those around my house of all kinds of different families so that people come in and they're like, hey, who is this? And I'm like, I have no idea. You got to start going to like estate sales and stuff. I know. I want to so bad. They don't need to be expensive, right? Like it, this isn't worth anything to anyone if, if it's not your family besides me. One of my coworkers, one of, she gave me a picture of her neighbor's prom picture. And like, I have like Matt's prom picture too. Like I like like 90s ones that are like very timely and like look of the time. And people will be like, who are all these people? And be like, I don't know. They enjoyed taking these pictures, so I enjoy displaying these pictures. No wonder you loved Kikopa pics so much. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. And my ultimate dream is going to be, I want to take a Sears picture with Rachel, with us both wearing just denim overalls and no shirts. Like the prom, like, hands over, you know what I mean? Like the arms yeah. over top of. And that's the first one I want you to see when you walk through the door. And anyways, that was like just a long thing that, like, this is perfect for me. And Dan, you did an excellent job. And I really enjoy it. And I would love to hang this in my house or the 2F2F studios. And I'm glad Joey has it. I will love it by distance through him because he says um what he wants to uh what he wants to make for you i think what we talked about before is like a sistine chapel with dom and uh brian i think right <laughs> that would so. be so cool yeah that would be really cool well thank you dan for the art again thank you for coming over today it was a great day and again just thank you for the art it was it's beautiful thank it's you so beautiful much. i can't wait to i can't wait till we have a studio to hang in and that's all the emails for today if you want to email in family at cageclub.me let us know we will read it on the next episode yeah please joe on the streets fast and furious news and i kind of can't believe that there's more news after our, our news dump last time yeah jason sent us a thing and i'm a little skeptical of this like this feels Same. exciting but i don't know that this is real hey man we have to we have to treat everything as real so jason said hey did you hear about the fast and furious limited season produced by vin diesel and i asked him for a link to confirm because he's tricked us before with april fool's things so i wanted to make sure that he had some source here and he sent us a source that says that vin diesel is in talks to make a limited series of fast and furious which is fucking incredible and it actually kind of tracks right that says it'll be on peacock makes sense it feels like a weird move to go from being so big in the film franchise to small marvel is doing it but they're still continuing like, i don't yeah, know you have, like just, agents it, of shield and stuff that like run concurrently obviously i would love it but i just i don't know this is from we got it we got this covered which is one of those sites like screen rant that just dabbles in news and rumors of course because this is not confirmed yeah i would love it i'm just i'm wary of this one and it has nothing to do with jason because he's just sending everything he sends and i, I appreciate it because i i wouldn't have heard of this otherwise same um so thank you jason for sending it in but like it just feels off-brand almost in a way for the for the franchise. Does it though? This is it feels very on-brand to continue it as long as possible. But I just think that like if, if you're gonna end after ten or eleven movies, it's gonna be like live-action spy racers, right? This this is what we keep saying, and this is what it's gonna be. It's not gonna be like Dom and Giselle and like Letty are like in a TV series now. No, I think that's what this is implying. I think it's gonna be more so like. 
you know, Fast and the Furious presents the new kids. Dom shows up for an episode, and Letty shows up for an episode, but, like, they're not the main characters in this. Diesel's reportedly putting together a limited series that continues the adventures of Dominic Toretto on the small screen once the movies reach a conclusion. Whether they're using that as a stand-in for the family or not, I don't know. But the way that that's written, it sounds like it's going to be Dom. This can be young Hercules, young Dom, too, dude. It doesn't that's have true. to be Dom. That's true. It could be the backstory. Like, it could be any of these things. I feel like there's been so much that's been announced because we have three more movies to come out, yep. one of which is mostly done. One of which now maybe has Twinkie in it. We've still got Hobbs and Shaw 2, I think, confirmed. There is the Letty Led one that they say even in this article, they're still it's still coming. Yes. Maybe we'll have more Spy Racers. I don't know. But maybe a Crossroads 2 video game. Who knows? We're all down. Lots of options. We're down for everything. Mark me down for everything. Any other news that you have seen in the last couple of days? No. That's it. Thanks, Jason, for writing in. Then let us tarry no further. Let us go to the Ana Lucia Cortez Leticia Ortiz lost for a minute. And this, I apologize in advance for um, tease of this of only letting you watch half of the finale. Oh, I know. But we are talking about Live Together, Die Alone, Part 1. So when I fired this up last night, like I should have known, so I'm going to Partly blame IMDb, but I should have looked a little bit further. But on IMDb, this is only listed as one episode. It's listed as a 90-minute episode. I did not click on it until I to see the runtime. It just said season two, episode 23, live together, die alone. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. So there's only the one episode, so that's good. Then when I go to watch it last night, Hulu has episode 23. Yep. And episode 24, and I was like, oh, so we'll just we'll do another episode. So that's fine. So on Friday, on our Alita Battle Angel episode day, we will be talking about. The season, the actual season finale, the second half of the finale. Yes. But Joe, Live Together, Die Alone, part one, a Desmond episode. Yeah. And I was very excited because I said before that Desmond is one of, if not my favorite character. And you know, we don't really know a lot about him yet where we are, but we are... This is the thing. I need to use the context clues of, like, you and Rachel knowing someone's name to mean, like, they're probably not going away even when they go away. But, like, I get so distracted by how many people and characters there are that I don't even pick up on you guys doing this. I didn't want to say this last time, but I will say that, like, Ms. Clue, I didn't remember that she was a character. So, like, that kind of that's says something I mean. about, like, yeah. her maybe not being around or whatever, right? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I need to I need to selfishly pay more attention to that. So the boat shows up. I'm convinced that there's gonna be no one on this boat well it seems at first like there's nobody on the boat yeah there's nobody on top of the boat they get to the boat and then all of a sudden the boat starts shooting at them they open the door desmond's down there and he's like fuck and just wasted wine drunk baby he seems like he was drinking like liquor though but okay and just was firing at the top of the boat turns out that this is a desmond episode he just comes back and he's like you guys still pushing the button we go to a flashback he has like a girlfriend he was in jail we don't know why nope not yet he was writing her a bunch of letters and we have the classic case of dad doesn't approve and the dad shows up when he gets out of jail and he's like here's all the letters you wrote to my daughter here's like 40 grand get the fuck out and yep. he's like cool and <laughs> just leaves his his plan to like win i guess to win her back is to race in his sail around the world boat race that is mm-hmm. sponsored by her father and win it to show that he's a sailor boy i don't know i don't think it's that as much as <laughs> fuck this guy i'm gonna win his like the fact that i'm going to win the prize and make him yeah. pay me the money that he was gonna pay someone is going to like make him angry i think that's the goal here yeah but he already gave you money like i don't get okay whatever so yeah this is i guess that's the motivation for me i, I have no boner to sail around the world if somebody was like you know like this is the ultimate revenge against your worst enemy i'd be like mm, i'm good not sailing around the world though can i do something else 
so he goes and he's like getting a coffee because he just just like lands in America, I guess. And he's like, I spent all my money. And who does he run into other than fucking Libby? Yeah, which even through my hair blindness, I knew who it was. Yeah, because she has she's she has got like red hair. Yep. Yeah. And Libby's like, oh, random stranger, I bought a coffee for. Would you like a free boat? And he's like, of course I would. He has the boat and we see that it is the boat that he was sailing on and it's called the elizabeth named after libby and she Mm -hmm. died before she saw that this would have been her fucking boat and desmond never met libby so desmond doesn't know that libby was on the island right nope damn we found out that the boat was her dead husband who we also didn't know existed yes Uh, her dead husband's boat that name like you said named it after her while this is going on they're also playing along with michael's these only only these four and nobody else peoples can come with me to go do the thing but only these four people i'm really angry about it situation like a bird like they hear something a bird flies out michael points his gun at the air starts firing there's no bullets in it and jack's like oh man guess i forgot to launch the load that one yeah damn you had no bullets crazy but jack already knows and saeed and jack are in on it and like what's gonna happen it's like saeed's gonna like flank them in the boat he's taking the the elizabeth he's gonna sail it to the top of the island and beat them there also he invited Jin to come with him like as backup and then son was like i'm pregnant but i'll go too and you're like motherfuckers like just stay home but she's like i'm coming too to be your translator and he's like okay they hear some noise they just start shooting okay like kate kate finally is useful for once and notices well, kate the- says there's two people like she yeah she's been tra- she's like the track like without lock she's the tracker the number one tracker on the island is lock yep. and then she's number two but there's like a gap like a gulf between the two of them but there's also seems to be a gulf between her and everybody else so like she's not nearly like lock but she's better than everybody else and she's like look i need to tie my shoe but sawyer just like keeps smiling or whatever uh there's two people across the river we're gonna uh, fire i'm going to get the drop on them and he's like what and then she just shoots at them and then they shoot and he hits and kills a guy and i really thought for a minute this was gonna be Jin and he was gonna kill Jin and I keep like fuck are they really gonna kill Jin right now and Rachel got mad at me because I made my own storyline I was like if we kill Jin right here then Sun's gonna be upset that she lost a love on the island and her and Hurley are gonna have to be buds now because they both lost the guy on the island and what's gonna happen is Hurley's gonna take care of the baby we're gonna have a whole nother fucking Charlie story of someone taking care of a baby that isn't theirs and we have to do the whole thing on fucking loop and she's like you're making up a side story that has nothing to do with actually like what actually happens like that just wasn't Jin. and i was like okay okay jack starts yelling like michael fucking tell us why and he explains that he needed to only bring these four people he's like but look i got a plan though and i'm like you know what honestly at that point i believe jack too he wouldn't have like led them out there and like known about it if he didn't have like a backup plan i put a little trust in him there they're all skeptical but he definitely did something Uh, he's he's also showing these better at things than like while they're walking through the jungle sawyer sees a baby doll on the ground that goes to pick it up i'm like dude why would you ever pick up a baby doll on the ground and kate's like no no no, don't do that like that's a trap yes but like and then (laughs) where are you walking near ever picking up a baby doll on the ground on an island where you know there's polar bears like you shot and killed a polar bear like what are you doing (laughs) Why are you picking up baby dolls? You don't do that on the street. That's what I'm saying. Like in like normal life circumstances, if you find shit on the ground, I just walk by it. I'm not picking. I don't know what that is. I don't know where it came from. Who touched it? I'm good. You know, mind your own fucking business here. And then that's where he like, she's like, oh, you know, we picked one up and then Jack and I got caught in a net. And he's like, oh, I thought you meant something else by that. And you're like, 70 people on this island have been caught in a net. Like we've seen it over and over again. Charlie's been caught in like three different nets himself. It probably explains why last episode he told Jack that he 
screwed Ana Lucia because he did think that Jack had slept with the woman he ostensibly loves, right? Yeah, so. but why are you, like, of all the metaphors to use, we got caught in a net together. Like, bro, we've seen people get caught in a net. Like, this is a real thing that happens here. It's not like I'm like, me and that girl got caught in a net together. And you're like, oh, well, Joe's never been caught in a net before. And, like, there's no nets around here. So, like, I get that he's implying something else. Like, no, there's literally nets around on this island. Why would you use, like, wh- wh- why would he use that as the innuendo? I don't know. I don't know. They were literally caught in a net. Sawyer, how dumb are you? So they're coming around on the top of the island. They're in the boat. They see a statue that just has a foot with four toes on it. Who the fuck knows what this means? I don't know. I don't know what's more disquieting, that the rest of the statue is missing or that it has four toes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we'll figure that out at some point. The main side story is Locke is now firmly on team. Stop pushing the button. He's There's no more buttons for him. Is He was bonered on the button for three months. He saw the video. He's done. But Mr. Echo now is like... This is my life's mission is to push this button. So now he's fighting from the other side. He like goes up to Desmond. He's like, they're still pushing the button, whatever. Mr. Echo's still in there. So they break into the hatch because Echo <laughs> beats him up when he tries to tell him to not push the button. So he breaks into the hatch and they like lock him out of the hatch so that they can not push the button. And as soon as they get in there and they're like, and they lock the doors, I'm like, motherfucker, this is a two-part episode. We're not going to see what happens. Well, you know, a couple days, a couple days, you will find out. Oh, and we see like how Desmond got to the island and they're like making this guy believe that like the guy that we, we've seen him before I think yes he was Saeed's handler or whatever in Iraq he was the guy who was like making Saeed torture people oh cool I didn't get that part I think I saw him I thought I saw him before like when Claire was like in the hatch no he wasn't guy. one of those guys no it was ex- it was only exclusively or whatever it was uh Saeed's handler they gave him the money yep. and said, get on the yes. way. Yes. Okay, yep. that makes sense. It's still weird that he's here, but... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, okay, so we learned that they, like, kind of convinced them that, like, there's a bunch of virus outside. Like, spooky for today, right? That there's just virus everywhere and that you can't go outside without a hazmat suit. This is how Desmond arrives in the hatch. He shows them the video, and that's, I guess, this is, they're implying that this is how Desmond starts pushing the button for God only knows what reason. The thing that I noticed is the hatch has, like, really new appliances for having such an old computer. The washer and dryer that like Libby and Hugo and everybody was using, like Rose, they're like front load washer and dryers. Like this is new. So they shipped those recently, but the computer's like fucking MS-DOS over here. So like they're updating shit in the hatch. So as much as they're pretending like these videos have been here since the 80s, appliances are from the 90s at least. So I don't mm-hmm. know if this is part of the deal or not, but this this is what I'm seeing. There is the bird that maybe shouts Hurley's name. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Hurley, not Hugo. His name is Hugo, but they call him Hurley. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Rachel just muttered they're the same person to herself. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, you know, James Ford is Sawyer, right? But like, yes, yeah. yeah. I like that son is badass now, standing up to Saeed, because he's like, no, I, I think you misunderstood. I just want gin. She's like, bro, you need two people who know how to sail. Uh, I'm coming with you. I also, you also need a translator. I'm coming with you, right? So. Yeah, but she's pregnant. Relaxed. She's going like full Kate right now. No, but I think it's, I mean, it's good. I think it's it, I think she's right, because like, if it's just, if it's Saeed and Jin, like. They can't communicate. Yeah. Jin's been on a boat like that before, right? Like, it did not turn out well for the boat. <laughs> Very not true. his fault, just like it did not turn out well for the boat. I thought it was very cool in 2000, this is probably airing in spring 2006, to show a guy praying to Allah on TV. Very true. I agree. 
Yes. There is the what did one snowman say to the other, which I think I think I think Desmond said to Locke, and he finally gets the answer this time, which is smells like carrots. Which I guess is like because that's what Kelvin was mm. saying. Tandler, who's in the thing now, is just like you know what did the one and Desmond's like what are you talking about? Like, I don't know what you mean. But it's just I guess that's like the code for like that's your that's when your replacement arrived. It's like when yes. somebody knows the answer to that question. They're the official replacement. Yes. And then at the end, at the very very end, Hurley realizes that when when Michael confesses essentially that you know he. Has had to kill or he had to let him go because like that's the only way he can get Walt back yep. and whatever. Hurley was like, So you kill Libby? And he's like, Yeah, he's like, I had to. And he's like Sorry man. But if you did have time you still would have killed her. And like I think like that's the I don't I, I honestly don't remember what happens to Michael. Like I, like that's not a spoiler. Like I'm not saying like he dies and I, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. That's like the end of I think Hurley and Michael because like how do you come back from that, right? So Yeah. And I think that's it. So we have the finale finale, the actual finale next episode. Probably kicking off season three. So Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. But Joe, the only other thing to do before we bring in Nico and Kevo is talk about the Fast and the Furious Minute Minute 96 on Green. I'm going for it. drag here back in high school. That railroad crossing up there is exactly a quarter mile away from here. On green, I'm going for it. minute brian gets back to his car and races after dom dom stops at a stoplight brian pulls up next to him the light turns green and they're off and we've talked a lot about how these minutes feel like self-contained minutes which this kind of does this more feels like a movie trailer almost like a one minute teaser yeah yeah that works because it like ends as the race begins like you can see like not knowing who these people are seeing them like show up to stoplight you know there's there's some kind of history here but things have gone gone wrong broken bad in some way right on green i'm going for it light turns green the fast and furious coming april 2001 (laughs) i think it is in the trailer too which is you know part of it probably i mean we'll watch it at some point who knows yeah there's not a ton going on like it's it's a very character driven moment no pun intended on driven i like the reflection of the cars in the green light but like i don't know a lot that's actually that's happening here the green light reflection is a very very nice artistic touch one thing that cracked me up that when you look at dom parked at the top of the street at the very beginning of the minute and remember how i was telling you that there's burger king right there we're looking at golden golden way the church Church. yep yeah Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of burger king trash on the street oh (laughs) like clearly like (laughs) clearly like like a whopper wrapper and like stuff like that and i just thought that that was really funny they cut out the burger king but then also left the trash on the street like litter so like what were you guys doing i don't know they're in front of a whole bunch of evergreen shipping containers and then i have a story about terminal way and the light and the race, okay? Okay. In this picture, I show you Terminal Way. It's where they stop for the stoplight, right? No, this is the end of the race. This is the end of the race, where they jump the train. 
which is the next minute, but okay, let me explain why. I also wonder, before we get there, just wondering how much of the next minute is going to be this 10-second race, because there's essentially zero seconds, right, in this... Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm wondering how many of the next 60 seconds are going to be a 10-second race. More than 10, I'm imagining. We at least slow motion through the train, so that's going to give us an extra couple. I was trying to find out where it is. It's definitely this... This is definitely the railroad crossing, right? Looks like it. I went to our friend Craig Lieberman's website because he has a very in-depth description of exactly where this is. The moment of near impact takes place on the railroad tracks at Terminal Way and Earl Street. The tracks run parallel to Earl Street and cross Terminal Way at Tuna Street, and that's real. So there's Tuna Street. Tuna Street? Tuna Street is right there on that street. Very interesting, right? Very interesting, yep. Mm -hmm. The train is heading north on these tracks. Fine, that's what we're seeing. That's the part that I showed you. The two cars are heading east on Terminal Way. Also makes sense. Starting around Cannery Street, and this is where it starts to break bad. Cannery Street runs perpendicular to Terminal Way. So he says that they're starting there. Actually, sorry, it runs parallel to it. It, They can't start there because they're going parallel with it. So he's being very direct about what he means, but also not using the right words. He talks about like stuff that we'll see in the next one. But his description of it is very strange. So I backed up to go east on Terminal Way to try to get the, the first light that they are at, right, in this scene. Yep, seems like it should be easy enough to do. Should be. There's no light to the west. There's no other street light. It just huh. goes to okay. the end of the road and turns. Based on where I think it was... I was, like, looking there, but also they tore down all the buildings on the side. The, like, Dom is in front of this building that has plants in front of it, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And he's on a corner, stopped, waiting for the light. Well, there is no light. All the corners are stop signs, and there's no buildings on a corner anymore. The closest you can get is, like, a building that would be, like, three car lengths behind Dom. So do you think it's, like, movie magic in telling a story, or do you think that they just completely redesigned and redeveloped the area in the last 20 years? I think that they've just demolished a bunch of shit in the area in the last 20 years. I I think Craig Lieberman's very direct description of it is just wrong, but I also think that they've changed a lot of stuff. He says that they start at a street that's parallel to the street that they're on. That's just not... It's, it's impossible. Gotcha. Okay. The rest of the stuff he's saying is true. I was saying that he was helpful, but not very helpful. We don't really know where the beginning of this race would be. Also, there's like trucks in the way and stuff like that. But if you back up, you can't see it. Anyways, I gave you where the train crosses, and that's as good as I could do. So now with this minute in mind, and I don't know what this, I don't know the answer. What do we, what do you think in trivia question wise? I think the most fun thing is is about Tuna Street, but that's not fair. No, correct. Um, what I'm thinking is very easy. What? When they're stopped at the stoplight, whose car is on the left? Or, like, why does Dom know this place? And it's like, he used to drag here back in high school. His dad used to drag here. That's what I was thinking as my easy one, too. Oh, okay. I like that better. That's better. Do you like okay. that better? When Dom and Brian line up for the film's final quarter mile race, Dom says he knows this area. What history or what connection does he have to the the street? Yes. Uh, he used to drag here in high school, which is the right answer, right? Yep. His dad owned a body shop on the street. Yeah. He, he used to work on a shipping. He used to work at the docks. Dommy used to work at the docks. <laughs> His market and cafe used to be located on the street. Perfect. Still kind of easy, but overall, I think we're kind of giving a little bit of mercy. Like, I think we, I don't remember at all if we started 
easily or not, but uh, I feel like we're ending with a couple, not gimmies, but like, hey, we, we're, we're sorry that this is so brutally difficult. Also, when you're 100 questions deep, your brain's going to be shot, so they're not even <laughs> going to be that easy, right? Because like, some of them are like very fucking hard, so like you're going to get here and yep. you're going to be like, this one can't be that easy, and you're going to get it wrong. For me, making the quiz, I know that I'm going to get to here and be like, did we really make this that easy? Like, this one's it's not. It's like reverse Stockholm Syndrome almost. Exactly, yes. Minute 96 on green, I'm going for it. We now have 107 total questions, so who boy Jesus. a lot of questions it's a lot it's a lot well joe let's take a break let us bring in nico and kevo and let's talk about furious seven let's double down on furious seven This is episode number 138, brought to you by TheLovingMemoryStore.com. The Loving Memory Store is created so that they could offer unique, one-of-a-kind designs for all the special occasions in your life, like memorials, birthdays, anniversaries, family reunions, and beyond to customers online. Shout out to TheLovingMemoryStore.com. Well, shout out to them, and welcome back to the show, talking Furious 7 today with our Furious friends. We have with us from the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast, Kevo Reese and Nico Vasello. Hello, guys. Hello. I just watched a two-hour and 20-minute trailer. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> it feels like we haven't talked forever, and like we were, we've were, we been talking so much lately. They're all like this now, and I think they've been like this for a little <laughs> while. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's I think it's also all action movies, kind of, right? No. No, no it's not. No, this was a really special... I don't know. I feel like a more self-aware movie franchise. Like if somebody remade the French Connection into like a thriller series just for me, they would have on it in the background Furious 7. And that would be the satire (laughs) parody soap opera of itself that it is self-awaredly aware of. This movie has a lot to forgive considering all of the things it went through during production. I would say more so than any other movie in the franchise, this is the one that has changed our perception the most. Well, I mean, personally, I guess Joe likes four more than he did, but like this one was always to everybody where Paul passes away. Beautiful send off at the end. Manipulative, but you know, it's their job. And, of course. You know, in terms of manipulative, I was, you know, I'm the first person to be like, You can take your Nicholas Sparks bullshit and you can drive it off a cliff. I was expecting a lot of, that was the last time we ever got behind the wheel of a car together and we rode off into the sunset and it was beautiful. A few months later, he died of a heart attack or a stroke or something. It definitely wasn't car stuff. And instead, what I got was a lot of, this is Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth telling you it's okay to have feelings. I think that worked out okay. The journey that we have gone through is we've gone from that manipulation and that it's okay to feel emotions, which you get from the very first viewing, into conversations we've had with guests about this story here and where the franchise goes in eight. You know, I was saying this to you before, you know, offline, Nico, about, and they have denied this. They've said, no, it didn't change the story at all. The story we're going to tell is always we're going to tell. But like, I don't know how your lead passing away in real life doesn't in, immeasurably alter everything about everything it's just the thing that you have to say when you're forced to make these changes and you're trying to draw in an audience nobody wants to hear yes Yes. we compromised our vision 
they want to hear you always plan to do this but like you can absolutely see where the cracks are but i feel like possibly with this with something so like it's not like paul walker was like fuck this i'm never doing another fast and furious movie you guys are on your own like it's not like they had a i feel like there is a way you could go about this and be like look honestly yeah it, it messed us up but like we have this vision we want to honor paul we want to be true to the character like we have i feel like there's a way that this franchise could have spun it in a way that wasn't like Oh, no, it's fine. We're all good, man. Like, it's, it's good. I think you're asking for a level of transparency that did not exist in film franchise at this point in time. Yeah, maybe you're fair asking enough. for a level of transparency that they would provide us now. Something I saw from a lot of places during COVID was like, so, you know, this project is ended because of COVID, but it probably would have ended anyway. But mm. at least we get to say it was COVID. There's been a number of movies and TV shows that have absolutely waved that flag. I'm kind of okay with it. But at the same time, I don't want to say something that is misrepresentative of my feelings. I don't want it to come off mean-spirited, but it's kind of Heath Ledger syndrome. Okay. The film was significant and successful to a degree that no film in the franchise had been previously, despite it being a well-known and accepted franchise that had to be rebooted because it got too silly a little earlier. Now it reaches this pinnacle, this seventh movie, oh my goodnessness. There's a lot to be said about how this movie holds itself up like it's almost like at a certain point while making this movie they were like this one's for paul and i appreciate that but then you kind of do have to accept that you've compromised your movie in some ways and that's fine do it compromise that movie but don't lie to me and i think the issue here and this is something that we're going to run into maybe and i think that they did it better i mean totally different but reminiscent that as joe and i maybe possibly who knows continue to watch lost beyond season two after season three i think there was the writer strike and they were able to take a step back and be like look we have a vision for the end of the series these next three seasons they're not going to be 23 24 25 hour movies they're going to be 13 14 15 episode whatever right like it's going to be a much more condensed compact we see the the finish line we're going to work to get there. And I feel that show in particular was one of the first series was like, no, we want to end before the network wants us to end. Like, I mean, if you listen to Damon Lindelof, he wanted to end it after like one or two years. Like it was just, well, like hold he on. wanted out early. I have to be, I know that people love Lost so much more than me, but I have to kind of trace a timeline of things I can point to in print and visual media that does exactly relate to what we're talking about. Lost was okay. created when Survivor was pitched to ABC. Michael Eisner was in a bad place mentally and passed on it. He then saw Survivor destroy him every week, but then saw that ultimately the first winner, Richard Hatch, was not fulfilling to the audience. So he demanded that Lost be conceived as a scripted Survivor. It went through 11 writers and producers before it hit J.J. Abrams, who they then gave it to in an effort to finish out a contract. He said, I don't want to come up with this on my own, and thumbed through the previous drafts and came across Damon Lindelof's draft. He took a look at it, poked it, and said, these are the things I would add to it. He then said, I am only willing to commit to this show for three years. The network had done what was called a mass buy-in of several shows from their own studio, ABC Studios. They commissioned Desperate Housewives, Lost, and Grey's Anatomy. The three of them were initially picked up for three, five, and three seasons respectively. But after the three of them became three of the largest shows in the world quickly, their contracts were extended to seven, five, and five. Then the writer strike came in. Rather than 
add episodes because at that point, not that it was failing or anything, but Lost had already seen better number days. They took the seasons and said, you guys start to tank halfway through. You need to do shorter seasons or you have to sacrifice some of your arc. They took the remaining Bible that they had created and they rebroke it. Three of the writers that left after the second season all said, anything you hear about a grand vision is bullshit. We literally were told to go onto the internet and sit on message boards and read what people were saying and throw out anything people said that, like, anything people guessed. It was purgatory from day one, but we were told we had to throw out our entire plan because message boards guessed it. The mystery of Lost is one of those things that just drives me nuts, and I have to wonder if that's the same thing that happened to Fast and furious they were told look this is this is your end game and then they were like oh god here are the road bumps whether it's people want more films or one of our actors unfortunately left us for that great drag race in the sky we're never going to really understand how it happened but like everything i just said about lost can be traced to books and or video interviews people work so hard to reshape that narrative to recontextualize reality to make good guys of all of the people involved if you ask a lot of the people that worked on lost it was absolutely a hellhole to work on every day that's a really interesting perspective i like that a lot thank you in the last month or two dana lindelof has come out and talked about the early going before that all happened and whether or not that all is true and it seems like it's true and whatever the narrative that they crafted at least halfway through was we have a vision right and i do think that toward the end of the season in the series, whether or not that was intended on the fly or whatever, it points toward a thing. Like four, five, and six, they all point toward a thing and they get to that thing. And my point about this was not to talk about Lost for five minutes, but my point about <laughs> this was we are reaching the end. I think for a while now they had said, I think there was a plan for 10 movies. Like now it's officially confirmed there are going to be 11 core movies. As of even a couple years ago, there was like, we're going to be like 10. I feel like when you are at movie seven, you have movie seven written, even if you don't have it confirmed, knowing you have three more movies, to use the runway analogy, like you see the end of the runway, I think you're able to craft things. And even if you're not writing screenplays or exact stories or reacting on the fly to like, oh, people really love Jason Statham, like let's write him back in or something. Like even with that aside, the point I was trying to make was that you're so close to the end, you're closer to the end ostensibly than the beginning. It's impossible to not totally disrupt things because even if you haven't had the movies written brian fits into it in this way and dom fits in this way and like whatever right like and that just all goes out the window so i don't think it's as maybe manipulative as lost turned out to be and i don't think that it's as nonchalant as they have made it seem but i think that there was probably an end vision and it's all you know up in flames that's even what i'm trying to say like i completely agree with you that's what they have to do but they're gonna lie to us about it because they have to oh yeah Otherwise, it doesn't create the mystique of the franchise. That's something that comes up in politics sometimes when a candidate changes their position on something. Oh, well, now they're a flip-flopper. No, they learned and thought better of it. I would rather a movie franchise say, we heard you guys and we're adjusting accordingly. That makes it sound like the people involved had no vision. Yes. Or are incredibly weak-willed. Yeah, the concept of weakness in an action movie, ick. So here's (laughs) what's interesting. And again, I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to have plenty more time to talk about Fate and Hobbs and Shaw. And then whenever Nine comes out, you guys come back for Nine. Like, we can talk about that. But, like, Eight is a real divisive movie. And we've come around on Eight. And I think Seven, Joe and I were very high on. And we're less high on now for different reasons. Eight, we were both kind of met on. And now we like more because of the promise of what's coming in Nine. And I feel like whether or not these are all flying by the seat of their pants or adjusting the flyer or whatever metaphor you want to use, it's evolving in a way that I think makes these 
better, possibly. So I guess I want to frame the conversation around shit went, shit broke bad in this movie, like in, in, in ways that nobody had any control over, right? And like, it was like when Seven first came out and that was the latest one we had, it was almost like wrong to be critical of it because of the surrounding factors. As we get deeper and we see like what had, what we imagine has changed in the story, that we've become more critical of it in a way that's not disrespectful to losing Paul Walker. They definitely had to like change a bunch of shit because this is not where this was going at the beginning. I sort of look at it the same way that they treated Carrie Fisher in episode nine. I love Carrie. I love Princess Leia. And I am never trying to like bash on them for what they did, but I'm very critical for their use of Leia. I feel like much like toward the end of this film, where it very much sticks out, like you can you can frequently tell when it's a Paul Walker body double. I felt yeah. like the use of Leia in episode nine pretty jumbled, and I might have gone in a different direction myself personally perhaps even recasting the character. I'm not the person who makes these decisions. They were doing what they thought was best and most respectful of this actor who had passed. That's also a factor in thinking about, you know, they did the best they could. And Kevo said yeah. something that actually really fucked me up, which I thought was brilliant. How many lines of Mia, because I mean, the only person Mia ever talks to is Brian. Right. And if she talks to someone else, it's to Dom about Brian. When Kevo was like, how many of these lines of Mia's do you think were originally meant to be to Brian? I was like, you've blown my mind. Like so many of the Mia and Dom interactions, whether it's in-person conversations or phone calls, I was just like, a lot of these are probably supposed to be with Brian because they're conversations about Brian. And the sadder thing that I'm sure you also piece together or thought about was that by removing Brian from the narrative, you remove Mia and Jordana Brewster's like, hey, so I guess I'm just not an eight. So like, she's coming back for nine. Like, they've confirmed she's coming back for nine. In what capacity, we don't know. Because Joe, I don't think she's been in the trailer, right? Like we haven't seen her. No. It's unfortunate that not only did they sort of disrupt the Mia, st- I mean, again, within the frame of a, a, a man passing away, like it's, it's hard to talk about, but like that they disrupted the Mia story, but also Jordana Brewster, the actress, is just like, well, you know, I can't be in the movie anymore, I guess. So, like, that sucks Cause, financially yeah, and stuff, Yeah, because right? how do they include Mia in the storyline that's like, okay, Mia's here, but Brian's, like, off. Okay, no, but here. Dom was in movies without Letty, so I'm not super concerned that a person is exclusively defined by their love interest just because it's a woman True. doesn't mean anything. So then how do you retcon, as a creative person, as a storyteller yourself, this movie ends with Brian and Mia and the baby Jack and another baby on the way happy on the beach somewhere in what way that doesn't feel like a ooh like that seems like a stretch like how do you bring Mia back I'm not saying this is a difficult question I just have we haven't thought about it but like how do you bring Mia back tear away from like an idyllic family life without bringing Brian back. I think it's hard to answer that without having seen the eighth film yet. We don't know what the story is going to be, so we don't really know how she would fit in. I have always felt that Mia is pretty sidelined anyway, so Mm -hmm. you're just kind of putting that character out of her misery, to be honest. When she was like, I'm pregnant again, I was like, God damn it, women are just just baby factories. Yep. Like, not to be like, oh, well, uh," but in a world where the believability factor is about a negative three and i love that about it actually the fact that anybody can be anything in this movie franchise are you a criminal well now you can be a secret agent just believe i don't know why brian couldn't be given an opportunity to go deep undercover in a way that would provide coverage for mia and the kids you know he's got to do something for odin's eye but it means that no one will ever lay a hand on you or the kids i promise i'll come back anytime i can and then she could have stayed in and they could have always been like Mia, 
Do you think you get in touch with Brian? No, he's too deep cover right now. Like, not mm. to buy stupidity, but like, if they're just going to write off into the sunset anyway, why not have him write off in an active role that plays out a storyline of his looking to belong to something greater, be a protector, protect his family in the ultimate way? He could have become a Mr. Nowhere, and it would have been a great way to graduate the character to another level instead of simply saying, oh, well... He's achieved car nirvana. Bye. <laughs> I wonder if they steered away out of respect for him. <laughs> Not to use the steer metaphor, because they didn't want to immediately bring her back. I don't know. I think the bigger, like, we don't know if the writers, like, we don't know if Chris Morgan and, you know, everybody want to bring Brian and Mia back, but it feels like the, the Walker family want Brian to return. But how could he return? Would they want him recast? We watched like a Paul Walker documentary and they're like very adamant that they want him to come back. Not overtly something that I perceived from the film, from the documentary is that Paul Walker's family was being taken care of quite nicely by Paul Walker. For him to not be in this franchise anymore means that they've kind of lost their taking care of abilities. They're pitching that they want his brother Cody to be a body double for him in subsequent films. Well, I think Nico's idea for Brian turning into a Mr. Nowhere would possibly feed into that because then Brian is always wearing sunglasses. That's probably easier to CG to look like Paul Walker. Okay, I'm just throwing conjecture out what are your guys questions for us about the great trailer charlie brown so what did you guys i mean aside from thinking it's a trailer what did you think overall of the movie i kind of couldn't believe that this wasn't two films that hour and a half mark two movies bruh actually originally vin diesel said in 2011 that what was going to be fast six was split into two movies which resulted in six seven well wait oh well no so i mean there's also the reverse the inverse too that six was two movies put together in one that the whole tank scene up to the tank was gonna be is one, like one movie. and then the entire world's longest runway was another movie too so like i don't know that they've ever really had a clear sense of like where one movie begins and one where one ends right like we talked about spy racers as like a four-hour episode or four-hour story or whatever like the movies are essentially now like a 20-hour not even in the way that like people criticize i think marvel fortress like we literally don't know where action scenes begin or end i don't begrudge you guys for having us watch spy racers before seven for the sake of continuity of the podcast there is not like a single frame of spy racers that isn't just straight from seven yeah the one thing that we had wished i think that you had known about before spy Racers, though it doesn't matter is mr nobody was like existed as a character before ms nowhere right so like his organization yeah. Whatever it is, is the same one that she's in. So having the movie open up with Letty driving like a badass, it's like they read my no, notes. That is not how the movie opened oh, up. Oh, you're right. The movie opened up with one of the stupidest sequences I have ever seen in my life. And I turned to <laughs> yeah. Nico and I was like, I'm done. I grew up a scally lad making hard Brit boy porn for money <laughs> in my Scotty kit. And now here I am, brother, here's a cross. Literally um, picks up a cross as he says it's his cross to bear. Oh my god. The violence <laughs> and destruction of the hospital sequence was so fucking over the top 
to be done by one man. It didn't tell me this man is that dangerous. It just made me embarrassed that they thought we would believe this one guy could cause all of this destruction. Because then he doesn't do it by himself for the rest of the movie. He has a team the rest of the movie. We get to the part where Letty's a badass driving, and where I like that. Where they're still calling it Race Wars. And Iggy Azalea yes. is there, and yes. Iggy Azalea should not be involved in anything called Race Wars. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't mean to be like on fast forward, but I had trouble understanding where I began and my erection ended. Like when the cars were lovingly hot air ballooning themselves down onto the ground. Okay, you're getting ahead of <laughs> I'm getting, I just, I needed to get that out right away. Okay. Uh, to rewind, I don't understand the decision to have Hobbs in this movie at all. You can't do a movie without him. And I think he was shooting another movie. And I, I, I don't remember exactly. Like, he was fresh off of filming Hercules when he started filming Fast Seven. I just don't think you don't have The Rock in your movie. Like, I think even if The Rock gives you a week of shooting, you have The Rock in your movie for a week. And I think it was very clear that they had him for only like a week of shooting or something. Mm-hmm. His limited inter- interaction at the beginning and at the end. But like, I'm okay with that. The same way that I am okay if Mia does sort of ride off into the sunset. Everyone can't stay in this life forever. People have a limited amount of adrenaline. Speaking of not staying in this life forever, I knew they did Han dirty because I saw it happen. I did see the done dirty deed and then I saw it redone again a minute later. Oh my god, I'm so glad we can finally move past it. But I... I, you know, when you're like, oh man, I'm so thirsty. I need a drink. And your friend is like, here, have mine. And you don't ask what it is, but you assume it's water because it looks like it's in a water bottle and you take a big swig of it and it's vodka. And like, you normally love vodka, but not when you think you're getting water on a hot day. Hot vodka on a hot day is ass in your mouth, right? Yeah. I specifically feel how dirty done that ending for Han was, was ass in my mouth. (laughs) So unimpressive, so forgettable, so understated to the intensity of the film. Han's death was like so immediately erased by the explosion of Dom's house that it made Dom's home a more tragic loss than Han. I think that was probably on purpose, though, because they understood that they had been dragging out this Han's death thing for so long, so they needed another huge emotional blow for the audience to be occurring simultaneously to really make the tragedy sink in further. What I'm surprised by is why Shaw didn't try taking out all the motherfuckers at his funeral. The guy brags about having no honor and no integrity. So why the fuck did he just do a really bitchy little drive-by? Like, I'm looking at you. His car was his feather boa, and he did a sassy little come-get-me shimmy. I... I specifically thought the dialogue in the funeral sequence was the worst dialogue in this franchise ever. No. I did love that the bulletin for extras at Han's funeral, though, was apparently that they were looking for hot, hip, and trendy cool types of all ethnicities between ages 18 and 45. So basically, they're looking for Zoe and Lenny Kravitz to come out and be in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but no, dude, the actual, like, I'm, like, I, I'm, I, look, I get you, you know this franchise better than I do, and I am not trying to come at you, but. No, no, no. There's only going to be one more funeral. His. Ah! I literally would have considered walking out of the film. For me, the worst exchange 
of any of the the exchanges of dialogue in this franchise occurs in this movie at the end when Brian's like, you you can't die, like, no, don't die, don't leave us. And he's like yelling at Dom and he's like holding him and then like Dom recovers back to life because Letty tells him that she remembers that they got married. Like that whole sequence I think is the worst. Di- like they had to have oh. like had no script for that. No, I'm going to challenge one slightly worse bit of dialogue. My pick for worst dialogue in the series is also in this. I wonder if it's the same one that you're going to challenge with. Go oh, ahead. I think it, it definitely has to be, what are you going to do when you find him? Words haven't been invented yet. Oh, no, I love that. that was, I love that. I, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, who cares? I, it literally means nothing. It actually made... Yeah. It, it, because it is such gibberish to the English language, because it is such a malappropriation of the idea it's trying to create, he's so tough that he doesn't have to make sense in his toughness. No, you're just admitting that you aren't smart enough to know the words that would describe what words you're going to do. And those words yet. exist. For me, the line should have been, I don't know, but I promise somebody I'm not going to miss. That's the line. Yeah. Because then he's tying it back into Hobbes, and it's still about honor, and it's still about doing right by your family. It's supposed to be about family and getting revenge for someone you love. It's not just a pummel fest. And that was one of the few times that I was like, yeah, Dom, you just became a street thug. You are not the man who leads this family. You are blinded by your age. Okay, Anakin Carwalker. I understand. <laughs> like, it was just such a moment that ruined Dom for me. My pick for the worst line, and this is something that I say every time we watch this movie, is Ronda Rousey's, thank oh God, God you showed up. These parties bore me to death. Which not only makes no sense, like that's not a pun. It's not a clever thing to say, but her no. delivery of it makes it seem like words were new to her when she filmed this. Yes, I messaged you guys when when we I was watching that part of it, and I said I feel like Ronda Rousey is doing an impression of Nico, doing an impression of Dom. In this but I movie. think that's even giving her too much credit. Like you know, you called like Joe for so long called Gina Carano fake Ronda Rousey. I was like, no, you have to stop doing that. Like, I don't care. Like, call whoever you want, whatever you want. But, like, I need you to, like, stop. Yeah, no, that's not dis- fair. Disrespecting Gina Carano specifically. Fair. I get it, yeah. Because, like, Ronda Rousey, like, they're both amazing in the MMA ring, but, like, one can act and one can't act. <laughs> From her first line when she said, ain't that charming, bitch, I was like, oh, I guess that's Ronda Rousey, and I hate her immediately. Yeah. Thankfully, she's only in, like, a scene and a half, as opposed to, like, the the main, like, the main, one yeah. of the main parts of the movie, right? Like, Gina Carano was in six, but, like, God, like, it's it's still every single time I watch this movie, I'm like, I can't, I cannot believe. So, whenever somebody has, um, so this is a thing I'm famous for saying, and Kevin will call me out on it, whenever I think somebody looks like their face naturally has some features to it that seem as though... Like in real life, they had been a, a like a, a full screen person and they got squished into widescreen or vice versa. <laughs> I refer to it as having a face like a hamburger. I've never had to say this before, but Ronda Rousey has the acting capabilities of a hamburger. I was really stunned that they let that go to screen and they didn't make it inexplicably that she's silent. Yeah, she should have just not talked. She should have communicated through grunts and head nods and I would have been much more okay with it. I just realized, speaking of hamburgers, that we have either or questions that we did not do. There's also, uh, we have to do our most lady moment, but let's go back a step because we got we get so carried away by loss in all of this that we did not ask some of these questions because we've been two episodes of Spy Racers without questions, but now yeah. here we are yeah. and there's one that I've been waiting for um that i really want to know the answer to we're going to ask this so are you two both ready for the either or questions yes in this movie we meet mr nobody 
played by Kurt Russell, who we will talk about. This is to go back to uh, a term that you guys taught us in the Spy Racers episode about a clam joke. His clam joke in this movie is still one of my favorite jokes in the entire series. He seems like he's dying, and he says to Dom, you really gotta try the Belgian ale. Like, you kind of know it's coming, and just, like, the way, and, yeah. like, you might groan at that, you might, you guys might hate that, I don't know. It is one of my favorite things in any of these movies, just because I love him, and I love that delivery, and I love, like, that's the most important thing in that moment. Like, it just, I love that so much. But the reason I bring that up is because he and Dom are diametrically opposed in one core detail, and it's the beer they, they drink. They can't be more different. They can't, they be, can't more be more different. Diff- Do you prefer Corona or Belgian ale? Corona. I don't drink beer. No beer. Okay. No but beer. you like limey stuff more than you like weedy stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna say that if he had to, he'd Corona, but, you know, he's not a beer drinker. Okay, so I'll say no beer That's in parentheses. Fair. Corona. Fair enough. What if it was like a Corona seltzer? That might be worse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I also hate seltzer. (laughs) Makes sense. You have now seen at the end of six, they are driving cars onto a plane. In this movie, they jump out of out of a plane, which we have talked about briefly already. Would you guys rather if you were behind the wheel of a car, knowing you would be safe either way? Would you rather jump a car into a plane or out of a plane? If I'm promised that I'm not going to die no matter what, I would jump out of a plane. Yep. Yeah, out. Mm. I thought your question was going to be, where do you want to see the franchise go next? And I was going to say, submarine torpedo cars! I'm looking forward to submarine torpedo cars. Uh, if I don't get them, fuck these movies. Actually, yeah, because we've done trains, we've done planes. What other things do we have that we can do? Subterranean ground drills. And uh, water pistol cars and maybe like really cool steampunk Da Vinci flying machines cars. Subterranean drilling cars, Joe, like just like on Mars and Total Recall, right? The drill. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You got screwed. Yeah. I'm going to come back to the, the shorter one because it's the one I want to save. This is an important one for the narrative of our show. And we think we now have a, an answer sort of definitively, but I still want to know. The crew is gathered around a table. Roman is bragging about how he has saved the world time after time. And he shot that shit out of the sky, gagow or whatever, right? <laughs> and Brian says, Roman, the only thing I've ever seen you take down is no knees to niece. Where the fuck are her knees? <laughs> if someone said to you, refer to somebody as no knees to niece, what do you think that means? I think she doesn't give head. She doesn't give head. Doesn't. Okay. Because she does not get down on her knees. She's no knees to niece. I think she has jelly legs. <laughs> She's just an octopus lady. They bend both ways. <laughs> She's like a super giraffe. <laughs> I'm into that. Uh. We think we have an answer to that because it's apparently maybe British slang or popular in Britain for somebody who, who goes down on dudes so often that they have carpet burns, like rug burns all over their knees and they no longer have knees that way. Oh. Possibly. Oh, no. I just say those guys have skid marks. I mean, either way, it's gross and demeaning of a woman that we don't even get yes. to meet. Oh, I immediately oh, said guys. Because <laughs> when I think dirty <laughs> cocksuckers, I think faggots. So, you know. Well, And okay. he can leave that in because I'm gay. Oh, I've, I've censored none of your uh, inflammatory comments, so we're good. I'm we're fine. To a gay one more question, then we can talk about the most letty moments. At the end of this movie, or in, in, on the, in, not the end of the movie, in the, sort of the, one, one of the many climaxes of this movie, they are stealing a car from, a, from Tower 1 in Abu Dhabi. They need Roman to do what he does. So, like, okay, also, side note, every single movie, every single TV show, what we do best is a different thing. In this movie, what we do best, what Roman does best, is shine bright like a diamond. What they need him to do is to distract the room, distract the crowd from knowing that Dom and Brian are in the back stealing a car. Joe and I are pulling a heist, 
and we say to each of you, I guess in this situation you're, you're separate, I don't know, we need you to distract the crowd, we need you to sing a song, karaoke style, acapella, what song are you each singing? I need to be real with you, the person that brought me to this podcast network would only let me say one song. I would agree. When I would get really, really drunk, and I okay. would be at a place called South River Pub, I would repeatedly try to sing All or Nothing by O-Town. Okay. Uh, nice. However, it is of note that I am much more well-known for my over-the-top jaw-shake rendition of I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Okay. Mm. I, I go into the ah! noise a lot. I was going to say, what was the one you sang when you got sick at your bachelor at your bachelor party? Yeah, it was I, I Will Always Love You uh, with some changed lyrics. Nothing you could do could get me to sit up in the back seat of the car. I just kept spinning in circles on people. Said friend that connected us, uh, best man of mine, Chris, had to stop me from tipping everyone with $100 bills. Ugh. And, oh man, I was so drunk and I had alcohol poisoning for two days. And... <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness the wedding was four days later. Good. I we I, I, I regret now, in retrospect, that we came up with this question after Chris was on, because we did not ask him. But what do you think, knowing Chris as well as you do, what song do you think he would Oh, sing? it would be B-52s. He would either do Rock Lobster or Love Shack. That's, the, that's, I, that's like the most wonderful question you could ask me. He would do B-52s. Okay. He would need mm. a woman there to do it with him, probably my sister Jess. But he would absolutely break out his F, yes, sir, Like he would have so much fun with it. <laughs> cool. Now, Kevin, what about you? What song would you sing? What song could you picture Letty singing as that type of character? I just like don't. TLC. I, I kind of expect you to sing like something legit like Gangsta's Paradise, but something more you. When I try and think of your version of Gangsta's Paradise, it's very the all that theme song. So. <laughs> I, I don't know, because you're not like a gangsta. You're like, this is, like, I don't know. It's hard, because you're not a singing public person. Maybe Tub no. Thumping by Chumbawamba. Something where you could get away with not really singing. You're just saying that because it was on Fuller House last night. No, I'm <laughs> saying it because you like yeah. shouting things. By the way, someone That's wrote true. in that we talked about Fuller House for way too long, and the fact that neither us, none of us, brought up the fact that Carly does the theme song was kind of blasphemous to all of us, I think. So oh, yeah. We dropped, the, we dropped the ball. Not only that, but Mr. Nobody's assistant in this movie is played by John Brotherton, who was one of the major characters that was introduced for Fuller House. La, 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 la. He was also the third body double for Paul Walker after his brothers. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Okay, let's talk about Letty. Letty moment, go. A person jumping out of their, uh, off a bus grabbing on the spoiler of her car and being flung to safety. That was the lettiest goddamn thing I've ever seen. That's a good one. I think her randomly punching Hector after Race Wars was a very letty moment. I'm anxious and under pressure right now, and I don't like it, so just swing. I really liked that moment too, especially because A, that character is returning from the first movie, and B, like... He wasn't even mad like you would expect. No. He recognizes that he is the one who got in her space and all he does is laugh and say that she still packs a punch. So I really appreciate the way that that whole scene ultimately played out. Same, same. That's why I like that too. You know, mine was just before that. It's when, you know, Dom is talking to her about, you know, how much he remembers and how much he loves her. And she leaves because she does not remember herself. And I feel like it's her unwillingness to, like, compromise and her unwillingness to be like, like, I get that, like, this is maybe who I am to you or whatever, but I don't know that yet. And I think her frustration and her, like, her need to be true to herself, I feel like that is a very Letty moment as well. Just like, if I can't be 
honest with myself why am i even here i really agree with that because it's at the core of her character i would also probably add bringing dom back from the dead is pretty letty yeah she (laughs) came back from the dead she brings him back from the dead she brought her own career back from the dead she's the copper plumbing of the music industry what's her weird fast furious power that you gave her She's got the shoddy shift. She can do things that no one else can do. Yeah, there you go. She brings people back to life. Oh, so she's yeah. like a clutchomancer. Oh, I like that one too. She brought herself back to life and Dom back to life. So I have a I have a question from that scene at the end there that I had never thought of before. I feel it feels obvious in retrospect, but also this series has shown no evidence that it ever rewatches the movies. There are so many like obvious like callbacks that they could do that they just don't do. Yeah, we get mad about that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> to both of you, but Dom and Letty are still alive. But I'm wondering here, you know, you know, they have that pact, like, you die, I die, and I'm not ready to die yet, so she brings him back to life or whatever. Do we think in in 10 or 10-2 or 11 or whatever it's called, do we think that they both die? They kind of have to, Do they to, go, right? out go out together in a blaze of glory? Yeah. They have to, like, jump off a building to save Mia's baby, die together. They and have then to they sacrifice do. themselves. And then we see them sitting at a cafe in Paris. And Mr. Um, Nobody's sipping a cup of coffee and just smiles and just nods and winks, right? Yeah, I think, but like, it's like one of those Bugs Bunny winks, and then the camera zooms in with a black circle on his face. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys think of uh, the introduction that Jason said? Not the introduction as much, but like him in the hospital, ostensibly killing an entire hospital full of people who are there to take care of his brother, grenading people in the lobby, like... He has too many fucking grenades. It's such a coward's weapon. One time, when I was in the Boy Scouts, I was in a tire going down the Delaware Water Gap River bank thing, and I got separated from my troop. I got so separated, I was by myself for, like, seriously 45 minutes. I know because I started singing the OBCR of Cats to myself. At the point at which somebody found me and I was in hysterical tears, it was these 20-something Germans on their honeymoon to New York City. They kind of swam with me for a while, just stayed with me till we got to the end of the river. We had all gone way off course or whatever. I was so embarrassed and I thought when I got turned over to my troop, I was going to have to like drown myself out of shame and stuff that this happened and that I was so upset. But it turned out like everybody had got... Anyway, the desperation and sadness I felt during floating by myself pales in comparison to how unlikable I found Jason Statham's character by the end of the film. Well, he's in more. I really get that. And I have to believe they give me a reason to like him at some point. Because right now, he's a homicidal maniac who has no respect for living creatures. And is criminally obsessed with his brother to a degree that's creepy. Yeah, to a degree that definitely belongs in a Lazy Masquerade video. Uh, Lazy Masquerade is one of like the YouTube murder dudes. And he has these great videos and he's like, these are true stories about people who were killed by their families. (laughs) And then he tells the story. And so at the end, right? So he'll like, I'm like, I'm not even kidding. So at the end of number four in like four video, like a four entry video, he'll be like, after that. No one ever saw her. The last sighting anyone had of her was her holding the hatchet covered in blood, running into the woods screaming, I've got them now. Hey guys, Lazy here. I hope you survive <laughs> and to connect to the Patreon. You can sponsor my next video. <laughs> and 
It is so jarring, but Lazy Masquerade, if you're a murderino, Lazy Masquerade is the shit. So, okay, so, th- I mean, there's a lot of things we can't say about both him with his family, the evolution of the character, and we're be- we're, at- we're inching closer toward the reasoning behind Justice for Han. You gotta find yourself becoming right with Jason Statham, because, like, he's a big part of the franchise from here on out. I mean, I hate Spike till the end of Buffy, but you understand that he is a big draw for a lot of the audience audience and so you make allowances and frankly the creative team makes allowances and retconned a bunch of spike's backstory and it's probably what they're going to do to jason statham to keep him in the franchise and like i get it he is a money maker i still don't like him and i don't know how there was room for him like i've been comparing these to the oceans movies in terms of how do you get that many fucking big name people into one movie? And I realize it's because a lot of the people in the Fast and Furious movies are just Fast Furious actors at this point. Yep. There isn't a lot of, hey guys, I'm Jordana Brewster, and thank you for having me on First Look, Maria Menounos. Yeah, I was going to say that. That was your Maria Menounos voice. I didn't, I, I'm glad that they were talking in that conversation because like, that's your Maria Menounos voice. I, I, I learned that. <laughs> it really <now>. is. <laughs> so I, I find myself a little fascinated by the number of big personalities in these movies. And I think part of what makes them work is that everybody has vaguely the same personality. To be honest with you, everybody has some version of the intense action hero. Yeah. I think the movie really turns a point when there's all of those back and forth barbs between Dom and Shaw. First, they smash cars, which is the hottest fucking thing ever. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you play chicken and no one calls chicken yeah that's yeah when it's with gay chicken then it just becomes gay sex so like (laughs) i guess that's gay sex for cars he's like i'm gonna beat you with this pipe shaw's like lol i'm gonna shoot you you jackrabbit i don't even understand how he gets away that literally makes me think that mr nobody's men are the stupidest people and don't know how to surround a building so then he's just like i'm gonna make you guys an offer you can't refuse all the powers in the world they go on their little mini mission and i'm like this does not feel like one movie i don't know where the break but i guess the break would be after he's like here's odin's eye go after him like i promise like it it all felt too clean i kept thinking where's the twist where's the where's the damn son oh my god mr nobody was a robot the whole time I think this is getting toward your this entire movie as a trailer. Like, there are moments in this that are just... Like, one of my one of the most infuriating things to me in an action movie is the villain's like, I could tell you my entire evil plan. Like, when when there's not, like, a twist on that one, it's just yes. like... And I'm going to sort of spoil the end of John Wick here, but, like, one of the coolest parts about the end of John Wick is just, like, he just fucking kills the guy. Like, at the end, he just, like, ends it. He just, like, I don't... Like, this is not... A, like, it's an action movie, but it's not an action movie, right? Like, I'm just... I am a killing machine, and I don't have time for this. Yeah. A lot of this movie not only sounds like a trailer, but is, like, you think this is going to be... You thought this is going to be a street fight? You're goddamn right. Like, there's no version of the world where, like the first time Dom and Shaw meet, they don't kill each other. Like, immediately. Like, I know that he maybe wants to make them suffer, make the whole family suffer, but, like, there's no version of the world where, like, that first meeting, or the second meeting, or the third meeting, doesn't end with at least one of them dead. Unless Mystique is in here trying to pull some long con on Wolverine, I'm completely with you. There needs to be some sort of logic-defying component in every part of these films, because, like I said, Mr. Nobody should have had the place surrounded right. So many setups that I kept thinking must lead to something that didn't. The 
escaping with the three point four million dollar car that they destroyed. That like I, yeah. I just don't I don't get why they had to destroy it. Kevin was even like, wait, why did they have to steal it? Well, I still don't like, understand why. Like when when Ramsey gives the thing to her friend, says take care of it, he then sells it, and like why is it in a car? Like nothing about any of that makes sense, right? Like it's just. I think we just we're coming full circle back to the thing that like. Paul Walker died in the middle of this film. I think they were making interesting choices to begin with, but then I think that, like, Paul Walker died in the middle of this film, and they're like, let's reconnect these dots in some other way. Yeah, maybe. And you have to imagine it affected the spirit of the people who were creating the film as well. To have that kind of loss and to try to have to recover from it, it's a lot. Well, yeah. Kevo made an amazing point to me when we were watching the movie. At the end, when they're standing there on the beach and they're looking thoughtful out into the ocean at not Paul Walker, Dom is like, You were always my brother. We have always been so close. Just like two cars <laughs> parked in spots next to one another. We even have the same paint job. Like, you know, they really, it was just such an over-the-top moment, but I, I forgave the manipulation. And Kevo was like, think about it this way. They filmed that after Paul was gone. Like yes. all of these people are sitting there talking about how happy they are for Brian and that he's retiring and yes. they're looking at nothing. I found the heartbreak of that really severe. I'm positing something that makes no sense. And I'm a big theme parks guy and I know how universally hated the attraction for Fast and Furious is in the Orlando theme parks. I would have given up huge parts of this movie to become an attraction or a VR game or something like whatever disparate pieces they were connecting. It really doesn't feel like one cohesive film. I don't begrudge this movie. It's certainly not my favorite. It's definitely not my least favorite. I don't have the connection to Paul Walker you guys all have. I always kind of thought of him as kind of goofy. I was very sad when he died because, you know, a person that my generation grew up with passed away, but like it didn't rock me. I don't think I'd ever seen a Paul Walker movie before. I was more upset by Heath Ledger, but even then, I don't think I'd seen a Heath Ledger movie in five years. Oh, no, Brokeback. I saw Brokeback a thousand times. You know, we were talking earlier in the conversation about how not to be offensive, and we're not talking about the death of Paul Walker as the thing that ruined this film. We're talking about the subsequent decisions that were made in response to the death of Paul Walker as Mm -hmm. questionable in regard to the production of the film. Nobody is saying that Paul Walker's death was inconvenient. Paul Walker's death was tragic. They're two different ideas. But the decisions that were made with the footage they had was not necessarily decisions that best suited a film as much as they were decisions that best suited honoring Paul Walker. Now, in terms of honoring Paul Walker, this this film was great. Holy shit. But in terms of the seventh installment of what is now an 11 main installment, 16 to 23 installment, bigger franchise, fuck me out in space, whatever it is, (laughs) there's a difference between successful film and successful homage 100 percent agree that's exactly what i was saying and like and and the more we watch it that's the point that we've come to that like you know when it hit that first time it's a way different feeling than watching it over and over again if you can look at it beyond the emotional scope of losing paul walker in this film that you start to find some some kind of flaws and you have to digest those as well. And if I had anything else to say about this movie, really, I think it's that this is the first time it feels like the stage is too crowded with Avengers. I mean, say what you want about Endgame. I'm still a pretty big fan, uh, and you can check out the HTML coverage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you can hear us, you know, be thrilled with it at the time and then be thrilled with it a month later. They found a way to make me very happy with the two-second cameo I got from 50 people. Don't know how they did it, 
but they did it. So compliments to the Russos on that. I'm starting to struggle with that in these movies. You know, we're saying they're trailer fodder. If what you're giving me is two minutes of story over the course of 20 minutes at a time told through smart lines, I should at least be getting more of some people. I was happy with the amount of Roman, the amount of Tej, but it really did feel like a number of the characters were incidental and very well could have just appeared on car drivey video screens. We talk about this a lot. As we keep going, we keep adding people. We know that we're adding like Cardi B and John Cena. Like we're saying that the stage has gotten so big that even in a two and a half hour movie that we have to start killing some of these characters off. It feels very crowded and it keeps growing as opposed to shrinking. If they do that with a split... I think maybe that's why they did Hobbs and Shaw because it kind of reverts to like back to a, a, a smaller cast. That might be the direction they have to go because if not, like we have to get rid of some of these guys. Like the family's too big at this point. And you're right, like Endgame does it really well, but in the Fast and the Furious, it's like we all get kind of equal screen time. And so it feels like nobody gets any screen time. They can't all be killed. Some of them need to be retired because when they got rid of one of the few white cast members, they didn't kill him. They retired him out of respect for the actual actor that died. And sure, that's fine. But now you're left with a predominantly POC cast. You can't just kill off a bunch of people of color when you retired the white guy. What we've said before, and it, it makes me feel a little icky every time, but like the, I think the obvious person to kill is Roman, but like, can you just kill the black guy? Like he's kind of outlived his purpose. And like the same thing with Tej, like Tej is now a hacker in a world where everybody's a hacker. And we have like, Ramsey and we have Ramsey now, right? Yeah. What I will say in terms of the crowdedness is that it doesn't necessarily get good but I think it's better, if only because the Brian character is gone, right? But Mia is not in 8. Hobbs and Shaw spin off, whether that's theatrics or whether that's because of an actual beef between Vin Diesel and The Rock. Who knows what? But they are spun off into their own thing. They add a villain in each in, in Fate and in Hobbs and Shaw. But I feel like they are, relatively speaking sort of thinning the herd a little bit already. It's not a great effect, but I think that this is maybe the crowdest it will ever seem because this has everybody, right? Like, yeah. the only person that Fate has that this does not have is the villain in Fate, right? Like, there's nobody... I mean, there's people come up with, like, a little cameo or whatever, but, like, yes, I think it's a right to worry about the crowdedness and something that Joe and I do talk about a lot, like he was saying, but, like, it gets a little bit better. I'm glad to hear that what the language they're using is it's that the main film franchise is coming to a conclusion because I would maybe just have a bunch of spinoffs. Who cares? Fast yeah. Furious presents. Fast Furious presents. Because you're just going to make a generic fucking action movie anyway. And I don't mean that <laughs> offensively. But if you don't make a Fast Furious movie, you're just going to make mega fast super mega super action stars part one. If you're going to just give me a Jason Statham rock movie anyway, at least give me some sense of continuity to it where I can pretend it's about the characters. I have no problem yep. with this. And I think yep. I think with I would be stunned sort of if within a decade of 11 or 10 2 or whatever we're calling it, Fast X Furious X. I would be stunned if within a decade of that we did not get a reboot of sorts, a young Dom Chronicles or something where it's either like literally the characters in this world continue, or like they recast Dom and Brian, everybody, and they go from like, or you get spy racers, yeah, like, like that's, the live that's action what I mean. spy yeah, racers. It's version. one or the other. Like it's like a, a new core, not wildly dissimilar to like how Endgame kind of ended things, but didn't actually end things, right? So you got a Yelena Belova, some of your 
Natasha's. I mean, you gotta... Nat, sorry, she's Nat in this fucking universe. God, I hate that. Widow? Yeah. Yelena Belova is the new character that they're introducing, played by the actress I don't know the name Florence of. Florence Pugh, my lady. Yes, she is replacing, supposedly, she's replacing Nat in the... Right. Avengers universe of sorts. Which I'm okay with. And, you know, I, at some point, you know, Falcon will probably become Cap. It's, it's it's the nature of all things, right? Nothing can ever die. It just gets rebooted and remade. Any other thoughts that you had? Because all the, all the major characters and everything that popped up, I think we covered. I have to admit this. I don't think it was a long time coming, but I have to admit this. On this watch, I almost found Roman insufferable. Ooh. And I'm sorry... But just this specific watch through, like, I was in a good mood. I was watching the movie. I was having fun. You know, just maybe it's you planting the seed, the inception of it, or what. He was just a little too much this watch. I mean, it's taken like a hundred episodes since I first complained about Roman, but you are finally on my team now. Okay, I like it. I'm not firmly on the team. I'm, I'm just saying, like, this watch of this one, I was like, okay, Roman. Like, you know, we were at the scene with the Noni's Denise and, like, him, you know, Blow, shot it out of the sky, whatever. And I was like, just stop. I'm with you in a lot of ways on this because now she's an anti-Semitic monster. But before she was a living nightmare, Roseanne Barr was creating art that reflected society in an important way. Yep. During the course of that, this capable singer, actually, she's a very good singer, appeared at a sporting event and sang the national anthem, Mm -hmm. but instead of singing it in her true voice, she sang it as Roseanne, the character Mm -hmm. from the TV show. And that kind of seriously damaged her career for quite a while because it was defaming the national anthem. It didn't appear Mm. as art. Tyrese should have started singing songs by his black male contemporaries that he was mistaken for and been putting on a show and been and at the end been like that was me luther vandross and like ran off and like they should have celebrated tyrese's incredible abilities instead of making everything about the character farciful he represents a lightness he represents a boyishness that doesn't really exist in this world and i like that because brian's not boyish brian is so put upon oh my god when sean showed up i was like that guy is seriously five years older and kevo goes uh he's 10 years older and i was like looks it they do not have any sense of age and continuity in this franchise no but you know best laid plans of mice and men they don't always understand how to play up the quality of their cast. They could have done so much with the ending of this movie exploring Letty, quote unquote, died. She doesn't want to see that happen to Brian. She wants Brian to get out. We could have explored that. Roman. I I feel the worst for Roman, who actually really loved Brian like family before the rest of them did. I, I feel really bad for him, and he didn't get anything because it's Dom's movie. They found some ways to take what could have been a more moving montage and maybe a little bit make it feel like a CW show playing out with Vitamin C's graduation. La 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 la, drive off. Like it was really hollow in some ways because it should have been about all of them reacting to Brian. Because I understand how Dom feels. He's stoic. He's powerful. I don't need to hear him say what I know. Like they could have seriously nodded each other just nodded at the light mm-hmm. or at the stop yep. sign. And if they nodded and went off in different directions, I would have been like seriously like, guys, I'm crying and I don't want anybody to see it. I would have been so moved by that. But instead, this sort of, 
After that summer, I never saw Winnie again. <laughs> I heard she got married. Like, I didn't need that! I don't mind that. Like, that's, and again, that might just be the inherent Stockholm Syndrome that we're in, but, like, that feels, it feels like something that Vin wanted to do, right? Like, it feels like something that is true to both the character and the actor. Oh, yeah. I agree. But he's also right that you just needed a nod and we're good. We we got what happened. Everybody in the theater knows. Sure. Everybody knows Paul Walker died. <laughs> like, literally everyone. Everyone But, knew. like, to the point we've been making all, like, it's it, this, this movie is not about subtlety. This franchise is not about subtlety. Like, you don't, you're you right. Don't just you're nod right. here. Yeah. And I think that's why the conversation we've been having about Roman and about over stuff with characters and how he just is farciful. Like, when you have to struggle for screen time with a dozen other actors when it's ocean when it's Toretto's 13 or whatever right like you have to be caricatures of yourself because you have to be the funny one the tech one even if it's not even if it's a tech one right like there's a reason it's lazy characterization because it kind of has to be right so and you're also saying everybody knows Paul Walker died but now it's seven years since Paul passed and five years since this movie came out so there's a lot more distance than perhaps when the film first came out and that's something they need to factor in when they're producing this. That's true, Longevity. which I don't think that they did. You're right. No, I think that's why they did it this way, though. I do think they factored it in. I think that that's really? why they played it up, because it points to this is the one where Paul Walker died. People mm. who are watching these movies casually are not looking at the years. People aren't looking at this first one came out in 2001, the one where Paul Walker died came out in 2015. Like, people don't remember those things, so they needed to do things in this movie to help clue the audience in for people who are now watching it five years later. When Joe and I talk about this one, we talk about, like, when we talk about five, it's the one in Rio. Like, we just call it the one in Rio or the one with the safe. And six is the world's longest runway. And this is the one where Paul dies. Like, it's just, like, that's just what yep. this is in the grander context. So, like, whatever they were trying to do to contextualize this, I think, I also know that we are not the, the target market. Like, we're not, like, the regular demographic for, like, people who watch or talk about these movies. Like, we are a very unhealthy subset or niche, right? But, like, this is just the one where Paul dies. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this? Characters, moments, favorite parts, least favorite parts? It feels just a lot like they are trying to say not only are we a franchise, but we're a format. And you just need to be careful with how formatty you make your format. Mm. Bly Manor managed to tie into the format of Hill House, and even like some episode beats were identical but it still felt like its own show. When it's episodic like this, you run the risk of some homogenization that bleeds out the personality and individuality of the films in exchange for sort of the thing that plagued The Matrix, where it all just felt like, I understand it, and now we blew it up. Interesting, yeah. I have three things. The part where Hobbes hulks out of his cast. Yep. <laughs> that was erotic. Yeah. Yeah, I was I, w I was worried it would feel too extra, but I was like, no, nah, it's fine. That's cool. It's fine. Yeah, it's awesome. I forget the exact context of who he was talking to who said they didn't have a gun. And Dom says, gun? We've got a whole city. And I wrote in all caps, the city of Los Angeles is not a weapon, Dom. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. I'm Dom, and I've got a dick like a sack of potatoes. They talk about how much they love this city. Look how much fucking damage you just did to it. Ugh. You don't love this city. Motherfuckers. I did like the scene where Brian's fighting his guy, though, and he finds that little cart. I was like, oh, yay, Brian found wheels. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be fine because he has wheels now. And as long as he can access a vehicle, he can unlock the Fast Force, and he rides the Fast Force right out of the film. What did you think of him in yeah. uh, his, uh, his minivan? 
Were you at all fooled by that reveal? Oh, was that a reveal? A reveal might be a strong word. No, but I, okay, now I get what you mean. Like, I think part of it, though, is like, because I don't want to say it disparagingly, because I don't mean it disparagingly. These characters are Legos. And okay. when you have a Lego set, and you want to put extra characters in, because when you were growing up, Lego sets only came with like two characters. Yep. If you want some other characters to appear, you just repurpose Legos from some other sets. That means they get new personalities every time they show up, even though they're familiar faces with the same names. Mm. And no. So like you could tell me that they were all secretly working at a car wash for a while because they were hoping to they were hoping that the world's best car would just appear. And I would just be fine with it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you guys wanna play some games? Yes. So the first up, this ain't no ten second race, aka boy do we have a podcast. For you, last episode, I found B, hashtag PFYA2020, at Rookie underscore 99, Spy Racer Season 2 on Netflix. Let's go! Like, seriously, gonna go watch it in Vroom Vroom. Gif of Magnitude saying, pop, pop. Boy, do we have a podcast for you also. We love Magnitude so much. Nothing. Of course not. I'm bad at this game. Joe, you found Caro at Caro Bucks with a whole tweet thread of everything Caro was watching in Spy Racers. Boy, do we have a podcast and three episodes for you. Nothing. Thought that would have been a slam dunk. Nothing. Hmm. Nico, you found Marcon Carne at Vert underscore Viper watching the first Fast and Furious right now. And the acting is still so funny. I love this shit. That was this is our play by play for the first movie too because there's a tweet a thread. Boy, do we have a podcast for you? Nothing. Over three. Come on, Kevo. You found E at Creative Kahid. Tony's a terrible leader. LOL. Like second episode, he got them chased by the police and stuck in the damn jungle when they should have got back to the oh. highway. Let Echo lead. Hashtag Spy Racers. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Let's get it started. Hashtag Let Echo lead. Nothing. Mm. Oh, for four. What a bummer. Brutal. Brutal. Damn. So I'm gonna look at Nico's. This one year. At the Grammys, it was, um, I think, our 10th grade, so 2001 to 2002. India Ari was nominated for more Grammys than everybody else, and then she didn't win any. That's what that felt like. Nico, do you have a preference between which one of these is for you, which one of these is for Kebo? The first one is for Kebo. The second one is for moi. Cool. All right. So Kebo found Sandy E at Sandy. It's never goodbye. Crying emoji. Hashtag Furious 7. Hashtag Me Familia. Hashtag Ooh. FX, because the movie's on FX. Ooh. And it's a picture she took of her TV, vertically, of Paul from his car. I'm just going to do crying emojis, and then boy, do we have a podcast. <laughs> You're amazing! Perfect. That was the way to do it. Nico, you found Huntress, and then a bunch of hearts, and a bat in the middle. At Batman's Huntress. Fast Ooh. and Furious Ooh. binge continues. Hashtag Furious 7. I was so happy when Jason Statham showed up at the end of 6. I had actual tears i always said i wished he could be an ff Why? franchise and then he came back and back again and again i just love these movies and a gif of him turning around boy do we have a podcast have a podcast for you. for you girl do i get it he is physical perfection i mean he is <laughs> okay so I'm, hold on wait, wait hold on wait i need to i need to transcribe this girl he is a do we get it <laughs> he is physical perfection Boy, do we have a Perfect. podcast for you. That was, you like, nailed it. It is between him and Vin Diesel where my dick just doesn't know what to do. I mean, I would imagine just get hard, right? Like it just, it knows what to do. No, it wants to go out and buy a honey glazed ham and put it in the oven at 375. Like Ooh. it becomes Ooh. so overwhelmed. It Ooh. doesn't know what to do. That sounded delicious and erotic at the same time. You're very welcome. <laughs> I found, so this is a little bit of a thread. <laughs> 
Spooky Vimo at Team Treat at CVimo12 says, Can you guys give some good animes to watch? I only have access to the ones on Netflix, so can you recommend some animes from there? And Sour Ooh. Lux says, Shield Hero. Spooky Vimo says it's not on Netflix in the USA. Sour Lux then says, is the one I'm responding to. This is, the, next, the next tweet's a little sad. Uh, Sour Lux says, Oh, Netflix, try Spy Racers. That show intense AF, LMAO. And Spooky Vimo says, uh, My parents wouldn't let me. Oh! Oh! What? This person is too young for our show, Joey. Don't do it. No, I'm not responding to CVMO. I'm responding to Sour Lux. Because Sour Lux loves that show intense AF LMAO. How are you too young for Spy Racers? How old is this person? I don't know, man. And he's on Twitter. Yeah. One of my favorite people on my show who recently joined X's for Podcasts, Josh Asleep at the Wheel at AsleepAtTheWheel.com. The guy's hysterically brilliant. W-E-I-L. W-E-I-L. Absolutely. Thank you for that. He cracks me up when he talks about his kids because his kids are amazing and he's a great dad they're like five and seven he was like yeah my kids watch the first season of spy racers or the first episode or something i was like oh that's cool he's like yeah maybe they'll get back to it at some point or something maybe <laughs> and I was like a five-year-old called it crappy we've had that experience here too one of our listeners was like we were like is this for kids and he's like i tried to ask my son if he wanted to watch it and he was like dad can we stop watching that and never watch it again and we were like Ugh, mega not, burn it's not for you either yeah. all right joe Ugh. read your terry ka tweet okay this is from schmoo fingers crossed at underscore terry ka i haven't watched one through seven movies of fast and the furious and I jumped right to Fate of the Furious. I need somebody to watch them with me before Fast and Furious 9 comes out. And they already got a trailer to it. Mind blown. Worried crying? Disgruntled face. Yeah. I'm going to say, here's we what I'm going to say. We're here what? for you. Watch them with us. Perfect. That was my Boy, thought process. Boy, do we process. have a podcast yes. for you. Watch them with us. We got you. We're, we have a whole family here. Of people what if you called them like a movie ride-along? Yeah, ride-along. Yeah, we had a ride along, ride along with yeah. Us. I mean, ride or die. You know I got a ride exactly. or die. How about you just ride this time? <laughs> All right, one more game. Dude, what's my car? Dude, what's my car? What's your car, dude? Okay. I'm assuming you guys want to play with Joe again, but I will I will offer the same opportunity every time. Do you want to help me give clues or guess clues? I mean, Joey, there's nothing more I would love to do than take it from you alongside Joe as I cluelessly guess on. So, okay. come on, fill my tank. All right, we're oh. going to go to the oldest one. It's from Hector. Shout out, Hector. Hector sends in a car picture from June. Subject line, hunting for a car pick. Hey, Joey, he's got a good car pick for y'all. I follow a YouTuber, TJ Hunt, and he builds cool and crazy cars. This car is one of the dopest ones. Body kit's Ooh. an actual racing kit used by the manufacturer. Something I'm going to leave out because I think it's a—I think it, it is the name of the car. Okay. He was able to buy one from a friend that has a mutual friend that works for the company. He built it for—I think I'm going to omit, in case it's a spoiler, and it looks phenomenal. Unfortunately, he sold okay. it to someone that broke it down in order to be stock again. Oof. However, he failed. The car is junk. Ugh. Here it is. Got to go. Stay fast. Stay fierce. I feel like when you're going to break down a thing of beauty— like it's karmic justice that it gets fucked up. Don't buy a car that's modded to be like I want to make it stock again. That's weird. Okay. So it is Italian. Okay. And it is a a beautiful emerald green. 
That helps. Thank you. Nico, Kevo, do you guys want to Kobe take a shot in the dark here? Call your shot from downtown. It's a Maserati Jade Serpent. It's a potato. It's a potato. Yes, it's a <laughs> jade potato. I would say you are both equally correct, which is something that uh, okay that uh, <laughs> feels impossible almost, but uh, <laughs> correct. The power. Okay. It is very, very, very low profile. Like, there's probably about three inches off the ground. Like, this feels like the kind of car, I think, Nico, okay. that you, told, you talked about recently. Like, your your neighbor down the street. I think this was you, right? Yeah. Who has to, like, get out of his car, take the shit off, rise it up, pull up into the driveway, put it yeah. back on, readjust yeah, 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 yeah. the car. Oh, my God. I couldn't live. It's that kind of shit. There is a sticker on the windshield. or like, you know, a decal on the windshield that says Toyo Tires, so you know he's representing. I don't know that they are Toyo Tires, but the tires are beautiful. They got chrome rims. They're beautiful well that's not the tires but yeah, well i mean yeah, i can't tell i can't tell the tires yeah. at all but the rims themselves are you know the, t- the tire area is beautiful have i ever heard of this italian car maker uh, yeah yes is it a ferrari yes uh-huh is it a ferrari gtx no but you're oh, very close no. is it a that is is it a, a ferrari tcby is it a you're ferrari okay gts no but you're closer sort of but not quite wow GT7. Even closer. Ah! Okay. <laughs> what, what is the, okay. No, what is okay. the number that looks like an S? An five. 8. GT8. No, neither of those. Five. Actually, five, 5 is the right answer, but that's not the number I'm trying to get him to guess. Which is the number that most looks like an S? It's 5, but that's wrong. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, I realized that was the wrong question, question to ask. I shouldn't have asked that question, but you know. An eight and a five were both correct answers to that question. I would say and they I would say it's, somehow it's wrong. as correct as the eight. A two? Is it a two? No, that's a Z. <laughs> I don't know any more letters. Well, we're not looking for letters now. We're looking for numbers. So let's let's hit oh, it with numbers. Okay. <laughs> it is um, very sporty. It has a big spoiler on the back. It has. Is it net forty again? No. No. But is the GT right? Yeah, yes, but it's... Okay, so it's Ferrari, then some numbers, then GT, then something else. 350 GT? No. I don't know what these numbers refer to. It's okay. a... I, I don't know how to... I, they're just numbers. It's a Good. Ferrari 458 GT3. Ooh. Beautiful. Look how close I got. I'm amazing. You were damn close. You did really great. And I'm also, very proud of you. That was very Potato's great. not Thanks, guys. too far off. No, Potato's pretty close. This... This is Thank very you. potato. Wait, I don't understand. Italian. I should have gone with pasta. I don't understand how. Gnocchi. Do you like a nice in between? Oh yeah, because you're very Italian. Yeah, sorry. Giuseppe. No, don't be. Don't Giuseppe. be sorry. <laughs> Why would you be sorry about being very Italian? It's no, no, because you were like, because you were like, oh, because you're very Italian. That's why you said gnocchi. Like, oh, well, no, no, because you said it right. Like I should say Cuba because that's how my family says it. But like I'm a little too white looking, so I kind of go with Cuba. And like I still try and hit it like a little bit hard, like Cuba. But like I, you know, I, should, <laughs> I should say like Cuba, but like I shouldn't say Cuba because then I sound a little ridiculous. But like if I was like gnocchi, it would sound ridiculous, right? It's like when Jonah says, I can't say it, but Jonah says like mozzarella, like he's like knitting me Mutz. an Italian sweater Mutz. around my body. He says it so beautifully, Gabagool. and I can't even come close. Okay, that's I. I did not ever know that gabagool was a thing until I started watching cooking shows, and I was like, 
needs a new name. It sounds well, it's like Capicola. a talkative it's not, ghost. It's not Gabagol. It's Capicola. Capa- like, Gabagol. It sounds like Gabagol. a talkative ghost. It's Gabagol. Oh my god! So, so guys, I grew up. I was Italian. We had a ta- I, like I were Italian. Italian in he Pittsburgh. was Italian. Was I was I converted, but but at the time, so I lived in the Italian neighborhood in Pittsburgh, and I only thought that Gabagol was like a thing on Sopranos. Multiple times in my life living in Connecticut, I've heard people unironically order gabagool at a deli, and it blows my fucking mind every time. Like I get so excited, and like I start like hitting Rachel, like Rachel, did you hear it? Did you hear it? Did you hear it? He said it. He really said some prosciutto, some gabagool, some gabagool. Come on. We're also Greek, and so when I hear people order a gyro, I like <laughs> I. Or tzatziki sauce, I like become oh like my God. obsessively itchy and want to throw up. Ugh. What would you guys like to plug aside from your heritage? Is, 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 is. Well, you guys can find us making our shows over on Cage Club. Oh, here on Cage Club, X is for podcast, a weekly review of all things X Men, as well as HTML, our deep dive into nerd culture. Cool. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nico Action and I C O A C T I O N. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kevo Reilly, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. Very, very cool. I like that on the most recent episode of Excess for Podcast, which is now two episodes ago. You guys did the Twitter handles at the top. It's like, oh, yeah, why bury this two hours into the episode? Yeah. <laughs> also, if you guys want to go deeper than any other comic com- comic podcast I've ever heard, a two-hour Excess for Podcast about the X-Men handbook? What's it called? It's the Zaso Hotmu. Yep. It's the X of Swords official handbook of the Marvel Universe. It's the Zaso Hotmu. And also, we are over there, uh, Kevo, trying to keep us all sane as we go through the uh, Fantastic Force.html, which I don't know how you turn, you make these coherent episodes because it feels like they're fever dreams when we record them, but, you know, we get mm. through them somehow. It's amazing how, how cohesive and coherent you can make things if you cut out two-thirds of what I say. Good to know. Good, I, good to know before I start editing this episode. Very important. But cool. Thank you both for joining us once again. You'll be Thank back you in guys. two weeks. Seriously. You guys have been spared next week. Although next week is... Wait, no, this week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow night is our panel. Can you... Are there any other updates? Because we, you know, we, we've we talked about the, the schedule changes, the date changes, everything like that. But Nico, Kevo, anything we need to know? Any updates to the panel? No, just that the amazing people at Read Pop and NYCC have made this possible. It's going to be a lot of fun. We like to keep it light and easy. It's 30 fast minutes. You'd be amazed how quickly it goes. So you want to get in. Get in there at 7 o'clock. You can actually jump onto the scheduled recording page in advance. So you can be, like, queued up at 6.55 to get to enjoy all the fun. Do remember that it's Eastern Standard Time. So if you're not living on the East Coast, then you probably need to adjust it by an hour to three. And keep that in mind as well. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. The, The panel will live on on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, right, for the... New York Comic Con YouTube channel. In furiousitude. Very, very cool. Yes, just say yes. As Kevo says, yes. Yes, it is yes. (laughs) Record ding dong. Joe, on Friday, (laughs) we are beginning our episode, our three-episode stretch of Robert Rodriguez movies. We are kicking off with Alita Battle Angel, which is one of his, if not his most recent movie, I am very, very excited about that because I really enjoy it. You've confused the fuck out of me with these Robert Rodriguez movies in a Michelle Rodriguez lap. I get it, 
but also, you know, don't be racist. I'm not. I'm just saying it's too similar, and I keep trying to find connections between he them. He can't help that he's a gabagool. There, so. You gotta be nice to him. I, I can't help it that I'm a gabagool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever, or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Come back on Friday for Alita Battle Angel and check out our Patreon page at TooFastToForever.com. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And that was Nico Basillo and Kevo Reese of Husbands Talking More or Less. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again.